Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch, and anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com slash Toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam. Yo, yo, Liquid Death. Thank you so much for hydrating all my guests taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water. Love your brand. Love what you stand for. Love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Liquid Death. You got to show me how you do this afterwards. Check, check. Well, the pot, dude, it's so easy, dude. I'm like the, I'm like the not, I don't need this. All I do is upload it. I'll tell you after. Okay. <clears throat> Microphone, check. Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today. I have a very special guest in my kitchen. This has been a long time coming. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Josh Brolin. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's early in the morning. I'm and we sitting got here and I'm looking next to, I'm looking at the dog next to me, licking himself, herself, herself, herself <laughs> as you're introducing me. It's like the perfect introduction. A couple, see, yeah, anyway, well, a couple of times she's farted on guests. So if that happens, it's that's not okay. me. I just want you to know it's not me. Uh, that's kind of more common than would be a, a little, um, <laughs> little. I'm going to get jacked in this coffee too. You can, see, you can see a different side of me. I've been really trying to stay off the coffee and it, de- it definitely fucks me up. It's definitely affects we'll me. We'll see like what this. happens because you know what? I mean, for you and I doing this, like we're not even looking at each other right now. Because I look, at, I look at you now. No, because it's a weird thing. It is weird. It's a weird thing because yeah. we've known each other for a long time. And yeah. then you come in and you do a podcast and it has a different vibe. And I think that... Because we'll, we'll, you're recording it too. Yeah, you're recording it and it's a thing and you know people are going to hear it and people haven't heard our conversations because yeah. all our conversations have been about crying and emo shit and <laughs> stuff that we're really emotional about. Totally. Which, um, which looks very different than how you and I look. No, totally. So the perception is very different than the reality of who we are. I agree. I do a little, I do a little deep dive and just see. We met in 2016. I was trying to see how far, how long ago it was. Mm-hmm. Um, randomly met you off of Melrose. You were looking at my friend Luke's car. That's right. You taking pictures of your wife Catherine, yeah. uh, who's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we just met briefly there. It was crazy, and then started following each other on the social media that back then, and that's pretty much how it just happened. I remember the energy that you had. Like you had crazy, crazy hyper, like drug induced energy. And then to find out that you were as straight as you are was almost confusing to me because we were looking at that car and you came over and you're like, hey, man, hey, 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 how you doing? You know, I know that guy that owns that car. I know the guy that owns that car. And then you were with you were with Max at the time. And yeah. how old was Max? 2016. I mean, yeah, young, man. I mean, yeah. he doesn't seem like a kid now. No. But he was, man. yeah, he, he was a kid then. And, and he was just like hanging with his dad. You guys had skateboards, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. A guy, yeah. the, the guy, the parent who never grew up. That's who you are. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I, I want to thank you because you are a real one. Because, you know, when I originally announced, even mentioned I was going to have a podcast yeah. idea of like this in 2018, you were the first one like definitely supporting me that I should do it. And here you are now doing it. I know you're super, super busy and a lot's happened since we've met and since we've hung and since I even started this podcast. I mean, you've been super busy and um, 
I just appreciate you being here. I appreciate being here. I love you, you doing anything life. with you. I do have a crazy life. You're all over the place. I'm all over the place. I, I am. I'm not all over the place, but I am all over the place. I was just telling somebody this morning, actually, somebody who's working on the second season of um, Outer Range, and, oh. and and we were just we were talking about this last kind of stint of publicity for the show yeah and i don't know if it's age i don't know if it's you know what if wisdom comes it just a kind of a mellower version of myself but there was you know when, when you do these things a lot of times you end up saying just out of nerves you end up saying things that you don't want to say yeah and then they take those things and then they they turn them up or they m misinterpret them yeah and then you can just sound you end up sounding like a dick and if you just sound like a dick from the beginning they have nowhere to go yeah <laughs> But there was total, in that three weeks, there was total kind of ownership over what I was saying. Very present. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, is different for me because I don't feel like I'm this kind of spastic kid anymore running around just reacting to everybody. Yeah. I feel like there's some, some ownership. So it's been cool, man. So yes, I'm all over the place, but it, it, I don't feel uh, pulled by anybody. I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm willingly... Uh, um, uh, going to what I need to do, whether it's kids or whether it's work or all that kind of stuff. I feel present for it all. Yeah. I mean, you've been, uh, it just seems like within, since I actually met you, just so many movies between that time and now with starting from only the brave Avengers, Deadpool, Sicario, Avengers, Dune, and now outer range. I like just bang, bang. It's just, you nonstop working. It just seems like that. You know what I mean? We talk when you're away and it, different places working on these things and it does seem like that but there's there's i think you know there was one stint where there were five movies that came out at once yeah and i think it was the second sicario soldado mm -hmm. and then deadpool 2 was the last one to come out legacy of a white-tailed deer hunter um and there were a couple of others in there um only the brave and yeah and avengers movie. i think and and then i took a big break because we got uh, pregnant with Weslin, my three-year-old, and and I and I took about a two and a half year break, and there's something about that too that when you're willing to to take a break and say no, people think you've still been around, like what you just said. You're yeah. working all the time, but you yeah. haven't been around, and you've gotten away from it, and it's yeah. kind of good because there was, you know, people if they like you or they like what you do, they want to want you, and yeah. if you and if you overwhelm them with too much shit. It just, it's an oversaturation. That's a good point. You know what I mean? So it's nice to just kind of take a back seat once in a while. And it's nice to be able to do that too. You, you've worked so hard. I mean, obviously knowing your history and where you started and how long you've been in the game for, it's, it's pretty amazing, um, especially in this industry. Because I know what it's like in the music industry as far as like not trying to stay relevant, but also stay working and doing cool stuff and reinventing yourself. And now you're doing like the Avengers and stuff like that. And right. I just feel like even later on in life, it got really... It's just a different level for you in your 40s and 50s. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. It's yeah. like... I mean, it, it, that's what I'm saying. You're just less reactive and you're just... I mean, I don't know how it is for you. How it is? How, how is it for you? Because I know, you know, during the pandemic, you would text me or you would call me <laughs> and you'd be like, dude, I'm going crazy. Like, yeah. all I want to do is be on stage again. I know. And and that... So what is that thing in you that, that you get from being on stage? It's like... It's a natural high. It's something... It's, it's probably indescribable is almost like with you acting. Do you know what I'm saying? It's something that I know makes me feel good and fills fills up a void in me that I don't have when I'm not doing it. Yeah. So now I have these shows coming up this weekend, which I'm so excited about. 
and I know it's going to be this, this something that's been missing from me for two years. Yeah. Obviously, talking and having these conversations is beautiful, and it keeps that kind of talk about music and the passion of stuff I love. Mm-hmm. But actually getting on stage, it's like, I mean, you did theater stuff too, right? So getting on stage and there's that. I did theater stuff too, but and maybe that's the dip because I was trying to look for the similarities between yeah. your music and, and you said well, it's probably like your acting, but it's not because for me, getting back and doing another movie is not about reliving anything that I've done in the past. It's True. about creating something new and it's yeah. about being scared again and it's that feeling that I'm going to fuck this up because I don't know how to do this and you start picking up like acting books that you picked up when you were 16 years old and 17 years old and trying to remind yourself or make yourself feel calmer that you're not going to completely screw this one up so it does (laughs) it feels like a new beginning every time you start a new role because it is new like it's uncharted territory and I think for me I've always kind of tried to challenge myself in getting into a character that I'm not used to, or even this like outer range, you do a Western. Yes, I've done Westerns, but you know, with no supernatural elements. So then how does he react to that? Or when you're screaming to a hole, how stupid (laughs) is that going to feel? Yeah. And what's that level of like parody as opposed to dramatic, you know, drama, dramatic plane that you live on. And it's, you become like a a technician and it's really, it's fucking fun to be able to play with. Yeah. Because you're piecing, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's making a, bat- a record or something, writing a song. I don't it's know. like writing a song. Or yeah, I've seen song. I've seen things where you know Billie Eilish or whatever. I've seen her with her guy writing, and is it her brother? Yeah, yeah. Her brother, Phineas, and she's yeah. writing, and they're trying to think of something, and then something instigates something else, and they go, "Let's try this out, and let's let's create it." Yeah. You know, a chord that maybe matches that, and you start to see the evolution of this great creative. You know, trajectory, it's a fucking really beautiful thing. And people don't realize that it's hard, man. Yeah. And that you have to like vulnerable, vulnerabilize yourself. True. And, 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 and you, and you know, the shame comes in and fuck, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. And that's the part of the process. Every time you do it, it's cool. So you used to question yourself and your skills. All the time. Wow. All the time. And I don't want it, even though I hate it when it happens, I don't want it to not happen. Because that's part of the creative endeavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is you, you it's the way to get deeper. Yeah, you don't get that too comfortable. uncertainty. No, man. You, yeah, it, that's that's the thing with money and all that kind of stuff. It's like I, I, I've been so uncomfortable with like, you know, people are private planes and this and that, and I'm like, I don't want to rest on any idea of success. I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to live like an asshole, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know, that I have nothing and pretend like I have nothing, but I also don't want to get to the point where I'm not hungry anymore. Yeah. You're a very, uh, un Hollywood actor. You know what I mean? You're, you're Hollywood because you're whatever list you're on or what people think and perceive of you, but as knowing you as a friend and a person, mm-hmm. you're just a very down to earth. you're wearing fucking flip flops. You're chilling right now in my kitchen. Like, you're not all like bougie and like whatever you it, where's my entourage that's what i'm saying like you just pulled that's up a dog licking <laughs> her crotch that's my I, I think i think that's probably because how you grew up and the people you're around and the music you're into and skateboarding and surfing and all the stuff that we connect on yeah. you know how you grew up I, I feel like that makes you you come from a different place there's no idea of exclusivity there's no idea that i want to be with this type of person i want to yeah. hang out with it and, and and that's and then you get this fucking great potpourri of personalities, which I think you and I grew up with, yeah, you know, with punk rockers and all, you know, music and all that kind of shit. There was just a fucking dearth of great characters, yeah, 
And I think that because that was the base, even though I'm not destructive like I was before, yeah. I still love those characters. Yeah. You're a character. Anthony Zerby's <laughs> a character. Anthony Hopkins is a character. All different people from different walks of life. Yeah. But but it just I don't know, maybe it's really selfish, man, because I just I, I, I like to go to sleep you know, close my eyes, fucking laughing my ass off at the conversations that I had during the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what, what was your, what was your exposure to punk and skateboarding? How were we, how old were you when you started like hearing that or getting into that? We had moved from Paso Robles, Templeton, which is where I'm from. Yeah. So I, I, we were in LA for just a little bit. I was born in Santa Monica. I went to, I won't go through the whole thing, but it was in Paso Robles. And then I mo we moved to Santa Barbara when I was 11. And the first person I met, we went to a place in Montecito called Cafe del Sol. And, and, and those were the parents of Jason Sears. Okay. And, and sh they said, Oh, we have a kid your age. And we were a month apart. And, and, and I called that kid and he was like, you know, and I had long hair, um, cause my mom made me grow my hair long. I don't know why I still yeah. don't know why, cause we were in the country and everybody had short hair, but this was another <laughs> long haired kind of surfer dude that had grown up, had grown up, had grown up in Santa Barbara. And I called him and literally from that night on for three years, we were together every single day. It's awesome. So from 11 to 14, we were together every single day. And during that trajectory, there were other guys, uh, Mike Herbert, um, Will Moeller, Kenny Jacobs. There were a bunch of dudes from that area. Some had money, some families with money, some with zero money. Yeah. Mickey O'Connell. Um, and and it became like a, a group. And, yeah. and that was during the 80s where families were like, I don't know why, what the through line was or if it was cocaine or whatever it was. Yeah. I know my family wasn't into that, but they were into the kind of party scene and they were into the social scene and they were kind of in, and, and, and parents just did what the fuck they wanted to do. So yeah. we, we did, we had no, there was no parental kind of mm. umbrella at all. You in the streets. It was, you're just hanging all yeah. the time. So you're surfing, you're skateboarding. I remember that skate parks back then that was sparks, that was golf and fun. Coffee and I fun. still have that little card, that little oh, laminated yeah. card that they give you. Awesome. And then we started skating and then we started competing. And then we were always playing music in Jason's garage. What, what did you play? Drums. Sick. Yeah. And it was, it was, I mean, like your boy is an incredible <laughs> drummer. Like that's the drummer that I always wanted to be. Wow. Yeah. But you. I was able to hold a beat and Jason was able to scream and then we'd fucking make up lyrics and then whatever it is we were doing. And then Bomber came along. I don't even know half the guys that I grew up with, their real names. Yeah. There's Bomber, there was Rich Boy, there was Foolish Mortal. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Was, it's like crazy. Names, yeah. I don't know though. I don't know what their real names are. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, Jay, so all those guys were in the garage and all that. And then Bomber showed up and Bomber was like a genius, self-taught instrumentalist. So gotcha. he could play drums. He could play piano, he could play guitar, he could play violin, he could play the fucking flute if he wanted. Damn. He could do whatever natural, he yeah. wanted, and he was genius at it. Yeah. So then I was out, kind of <laughs> following along. And then RKL, Rich Kids on LSD, ended up on kind of an upward punk trajectory and started playing, you know, getting in a van and doing yeah. those kind of uh, domestic tours and then finally going to Europe and doing European tours and, and you Eastern was, Europe. And, and you were with them. I was with them for part of that in the beginning, but... Um, like playing with them or just chilling with them? No, chilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, chilling. Because that's like, that's like the thing is, was Josh Bullen in RKL? 
Yeah, I know. No, I've had people call me, like Mike Herbert, who's sober now, and he was like, dude, you weren't in RKL. <laughs> and I was like, no, we were in a band called CVS, Cito Vice Squat. Ooh, that's that was hard. A, that was a fucking horrible name, dude. <laughs> horrible name. Cito Vice Squad, and then that <laughs> turned into, once Bomber got into it, RKL. Wow. All I know is I was in the garage, dude. You were I there, you the were there in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. In, there in the beginning. And then I started, you know, at 16 and all that, which we jumped that far. But, you know, I ended up getting kicked out of my house in Santa Barbara, moving down with my dad, sleeping on the couch with my pop, and then trying to get my shit together. And then within that, I started auditioning and lying about resumes and work wow. that I had done that didn't exist. I finally found an agent, had to borrow 20 bucks from the agent in order to get out of the parking lot because I couldn't pay for it. My dad wasn't Classic. doing so well at that, at that time. And then, uh, and then I ended up getting in the Goonies just out of Fuck, nowhere dude. after like 300 auditions or something. Dude. Uh, what did you get kicked out for? Why did you get kicked out? Were you a wild kid? I, I mean, for me to say that I'm wild sounds lame, but... I think everybody, I think everybody in that back then the eighties, every, everybody, yeah, everybody. I mean, it was, I've never, I've never come across a group and I know that they existed and I don't know how you grew up, but, and I you grew up on the East coast, right? Yeah. That was as destructive as that group that I grew up with. I mean, the majority of those guys aren't around anymore. Will Moeller was the first one to die and he was kind of like a roadie for RKL. Okay. And there was just a lot of like, the Herb Estate was was up in Montecito. It was all a fully spray painted house, like suburbia, like those old movies, like kind of like that, yeah. but way gnarlier. Squats and the, and, the, and the yeah, like squats and and the cops would show up twice a day, every day, Damn. and it was just a thing. Yeah, that was just part of that. Like, it was almost like we had created our own culture. Yeah, and if you look at other cultures like Bra Boys, Maruba, oh, yeah. or 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 Wolfpack, or Dahui. There were similarities between those kind of, you know, Z, Z boys were different. Z boys, yeah. Like if you look at Jay Adams, like everybody was Jay Adams yeah. where we were from. Whereas okay. it wasn't Stacy who was the really smart one. Yeah. And everybody was into marketing and everybody was being focused on. Nobody was being focused on. Just, just rebellious Nobody and gave wild. a fuck about us. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> the outcast, the black sheep, the fucking. Yeah, but then yeah. that, but we were our own family within that because that. nobody cared. So I don't know how it was for Z Boys when you had all this attention or Skateboarder Magazine or all these photographers taking pictures. We had none of that. Yeah. So the amount of footage that we have on us is so minimal because nobody cared. You know, you go hang out at Dead Ted's house and just all these people. Dead man, Ted's? Just great. Yeah, Dead Ted's. Wow. Yeah, that, that was in a wheelchair. Like a oh wow! He was in a wheelchair, and his mom let us hang out in his house. By the by, the we all went to Santa Barbara High. Fuck. So I mean, pretty much punk rock is the the melting pot for all of the people who don't have that you know that structure at home usually, and they're yeah. the misfits and the outcasts, and we all like bond together. And even some of us are get drunk, some of us don't. We fuck shit up, we break things, we steal things, we did crazy yeah. shit back then. We did you know crazy I mean? shit, and that's what you wanted to do. You yeah. wanted to. It was all about manifesting your. Not necessarily rage, but your—I don't know. It was a creative. It was a creative and angry manifestation of what was going on socially. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, if yeah, you didn't yeah. have parents, you're like, why, why the fuck do I don't don't I have parents? Exactly. Why don't they care? Okay, so if you don't yeah. care, this is my reaction to that through music. Yeah. Or through writing. Like I did a shitload of writing back then. So even back then you were writing? I was writing from like seven, eight years old on. I remember wow. my mom used to find these like circular death poems and she'd be like, <laughs> What is this? 
Why? So this like you poems know? and like journaling and all that kind of stuff. All that. Wow. All that. So like recently I just digitized 88 journals. From back then too? Everything? From all back then. Wow. From, not from all back then. But it's cool. All the way up stuff. until now. Yeah. That I have stuff and now we're putting a book together and I don't know. Yes. Of pro. Yeah. You've Finally, been. Finally the dude, Brolin book's coming. You've been amazing. <laughs> you know, um, hashtag Brolin book. Hashtag Brolin book. It's hashtag true. Brolin book. Get off your ass and fucking put a book together. <laughs> Did you did you do writing in school? Like, how were you in school? Did you were you doing writing in school? I mean, honestly, <clears throat> because school, you know, if you were if you were a punk, not that you couldn't do well in school, because like a lot of those guys were super smart guys, yeah. you know, and 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 how they manifested themselves creatively was always really really smart, but scholastically, <laughs> that didn't really come until later. So I remember there was a teacher in high school, Mr. Visser in ninth grade. And I was writing and, and just grammatically and, and, and my punctuation and shit was so off. And he said, it doesn't matter. The shit that you're writing is so good. Yeah. You're on to something. So just keep writing. Don't worry about all that other stuff. You'll figure that I stuff out. I love that. And that I was, that. you know, and that the power of a great teacher. Yeah. Even now. And you still remember that teacher. I yeah. still remember that teacher. Yeah. There's a few teachers, Mr. Ordaz, Mr. Visser. And then I remember the other fucking teachers that were horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They couldn't wait for me to get out of their class. That should have flunked me, but they gave me a D minus just to get me out of their class. Damn. And and they just didn't want they it was teachers that just wanted you to behave exactly as they wanted you to behave yeah. within the structure that they found appropriate. Totally. And there was no there was no looking at the person for what they were. And I know that that's hard to do, especially yeah. when you're a teacher and teachers are so underpaid and all that kind of shit. But the few teachers that I had that you could, you really could tell cared. Yeah. They loved what they did. They cared about kids. They cared about the impact that they had on them. They cared about the fact that the legacy was carried on with their kids. Their own legacy was yeah. carried on with those kids. Those teachers changed my life. And then people later on, like Anthony Zerby, who I did Young Writers with, who was an actor, and why I started doing theater, you know, the relationship came out of, you know, I would drive him home from work every day and we'd sit in his, in his driveway and we'd talk for three, four hours every day, awesome. dude. I'd be 20 years old, 21 years old, just listening to stories. So he would ask me questions and then he'd give me books or he'd give me plays to read or he'd show me art that I hadn't been, you know, exposed to. Yeah. And it's fucking people that give a shit. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing. So it's we came impact. from a culture of parents that didn't care. And then suddenly you meet people in your lives and you're like, this is having the deepest impact on me. People are like, Oh, you're super educated. I go, no, I'm not. I just was lucky enough to be around a certain amount of people yeah. that turned me on to the shit that was intended. I was intended to be inside from the beginning, yeah, but just wasn't because of whatever circumstantial, you know, things happen. No, I believe that. You know, what's funny. Like when I text you or write you, I double check my grammar all the time. <laughs> Because I my grammar sucks. Like but I just recently so realized that I in one of our, our big songs I rhymed no ideas and fears <laughs> and ideas because I'm East Coast. But it's an East Coast I, thing. No, and I say Madonna. And my wife said, "Why do you say Madonna?" <laughs> but like my grammar's always been fucked, and I wish you really paid attention better to that in school for sure. Because I fucking hated school. I skipped school. I skated all the time. I yeah. barely graduated. Yeah. I was just going to shows all the time. Yeah. Um, what there's nothing wrong with that though. I know. To me, there's nothing wrong with that. And I still buy grammar books. 
Oh wow! And I still so there's no. I'm 54 years old. Yeah. Why? Why? Why do I have to? Oh, I'm too. And that's that whole thing about being embarrassed. I don't give a fuck about being embarrassed anymore. So it's like, no, I don't know that thing. I want to know about that thing. I want to learn, learn about yeah. that thing. You know. That, that whole idea, that kind of young idea when you have a book, but you don't want anybody to see the cover. So you're, you know, because you don't want, you, you don't want to be in the position to feel like you're a dumb shit. Yeah. I don't care anymore. I don't uh, care anymore. What did you, uh, what was your goals? Like when you got out of school, what did you want to do? Did, did you already get the Goonies while you're in school? Yeah. I mean, I was 16. I was, I, I'd skipped a grade. So I was young in school. I graduated when I was 17. I was a, I was a, a, a senior when I was 16 and then 17. Okay. So I was pretty young. But um, what did I want to be? I was going to say, I was like, why wasn't music but acting? You know? No, I wanted to be a lawyer. Wow. Yeah, because I took, in high school, I took uh, youth and society, and then I took three years of law. Wow. And I was into it. I was really into criminal law. I probably was trying to figure out why I was getting in so much trouble mm. or how I could get, get out, yourself of out of it. You know <laughs> what I mean? But I loved, I love, and it makes sense because I love, you know, whatever that, that scenario of acting is as a lawyer, you have to look for these key points and then you have to manipulate the key points in order yeah. for people to perceive things in a certain way. It's acting. That's what it is. True. So it makes sense. So it, I, there were a lot of other things that I wanted to do. When I moved to L.A., I got into Taekwondo and then nice. I wanted to move. You know, I'm a fucking addict. So I want to, you know, I want to, you know, it's like if I'm competing in Taekwondo and doing well, I want to move to Korea and like become a master and all this kind of shit. And then and then I got Goonies and then it just kind of fell. And my mother always said this and I always hated it. And I think my friends were super surprised when I became an actor because my dad was an actor and I was yeah. always really against the idea of being an actor because not only was, you know, financially it seemed like a really stupid idea mm -hmm. because you had money one day, you didn't have money. And I, and I remember we fluctuated through money because my parents was, weren't very good with money. And, and I was like, that's the last thing I want to do. But then when the Goonies happened, that was kind of, during a trajectory of me trying to just get my shit together and do well and then that happened so it just i was in it yeah but i loved it i didn't love the idea unlike what you just said about music about getting on stage it was always like crazy frightening for me yeah i remember my knees shaking my lips shaking my trachea closing up it was really Damn. like i had a massive nerve problem yeah a fear of being exposed or whatever that was but what I loved about it was the behavioral aspects of it. Like mm -hmm. I was always, I don't know if it's because of the way I grew up or whatever. I was like, what, you know, the, the interest in what makes people tick, what makes people do what they do? Yeah. Why do certain people react in a certain way and other people react in a different way? And that was always really fascinating to me. So that was like a, a great exploration of that. Yeah. And were, were you doing, you were like in the Jiva, the uh, Jiva theater in Rochester. Was that before Goonies or after like? I was after Goonies. I was after, okay, wow. I was after Goonies, so I did Goonies. Forgiving Thyhoid Mary. Typhoid. Typhoid. Typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary. <clears throat> and then pri uh, obviously Private Eyes and Young Rise. Those are TV shows, though, yeah. Those are TV shows, but the theater thing was like all the nightmares that could happen happened. Yeah. Like at, every actor has a nightmare, but it never happens. Yeah. All of them happened for me. So it was opening night, Forgiving Typhoid Mary, Typhoid. Sorry. And and I had I had uh, a huge monologue to set up the whole play, like a seven or eight page monologue, and about two and a really bad Irish accent, 
a guy in seminary school and, a, you know, and, 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 and two pages into it, 800 people, 750 Damn. people out in the audience. I looked down, I cleaned my glasses. I did some dumb thing and I looked back up and I was like, I totally had lost all the words, Wow, everything. And I remember everybody kind of like a dog in a high pitch whistle. Everybody just kind of turned their heads, like just <laughs> curious what the fuck the pause was for. And I'd remembered nothing. Yeah. So I like made shit up. And then I finally, they went to manual of the stage manager. And when I left, the light stayed on and then it kind of disappeared too late. And I went backstage and the stage managers had their head in their hands. Like wow. I had severely fucked up. Damn. But all those things lent to how hard I worked later because anytime I'd try to like do that thing of like rest on my laurels, it would always backfire. Yeah. So I remember Anthony Hopkins saying like that he reads a script 150 times or something. And Jesus. it made sense to me because I was always, I always felt like a dumb shit if I had to keep reading the script and keep reading the yeah, script yeah, and yeah, really yeah. internalize it in that way. And then when I heard him say that, I was like, well, fuck if Anthony Hopkins yeah. reads a script 150 times, it doesn't matter how many times I have to read a script. How many times do you have to? How many times do you have to read this? Now it, I don't. I mean, now yeah. I don't have to read it a lot, but I do. I force myself to. Yeah. So in in order to internalize it, you just it's like a great book. You just want to keep inhaling the words, and you yeah. want to keep in. So I don't. Some people don't like to rehearse. Some people don't like to know. They don't want to be on that on top of a script. I do yeah. because I feel like when it comes down to the day of actually having to perform and all that. I, I have whatever ability to be able to kind of forget everything that I've I've read yeah and then just be with the person and allow it to be spontaneous but I don't know I just, you know after 38 years you figure shit out yeah you, you don't fuck, you fuck up lines still yeah but like I remember dune there was one <laughs> and I'd gone to I mean it's a gnarly story but I'd gone to Auschwitz we were in Budapest and I went to Auschwitz with my that. kid yeah and my wife and it fucked my head up like really it's heavy and I came back and you try to deny that it fucked you up. But I had this big scene when I came back and there was one line I literally could not say. Every time it came up to that line, it would disappear. Wow. And it was a lot of people in the scene and a lot of people with a lot of dialogue. And they kept looking at me and everybody's really sweet. But there was that moment where they were like, like dude, get your shit together. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of dialogue too. Like, yeah, yeah help me the fuck out. And, uh, and I went to Denis and I was like, can we just not say that? Like, it's not an important line. He goes, it's a really important line. I go, but it's not. But like, if we just don't say it, we're not going to have a problem. And then he let me not say it for the wide shot. And I thought he was, he let it go completely. And then it got to the close shot and he said, okay, now we have to say that line. I was like, no. So there was one, the, for whatever reason, there was like a, a hang up or a hiccup. And it doesn't happen often, but man, when it happens, there's nothing more humbling there's nothing more embarrassing yeah. and nothing more humbling i hate that i hate that more than anything mm. not being on top of your shit yeah i, fu I fuck up i fuck up my lyrics sometimes do live. you yeah still and I'm, it's super embarrassing and and sometimes the crowd won't catch it but my band will look at me like really dude yeah I had this song 26 like, years six ago years, like right exactly but you get you get in your thing you like maybe think about something else like, yeah exactly you're like, thinking about your trip that you're gonna take or something <laughs> um, um i remember barbara barbara said that she there was one point that she went up on her lyrics and now she has her lyrics always oh yeah teleprompter can, yeah, yeah teleprompter yeah, exactly. ozzy has that a lot of people have that ozzy man. has that oh yeah ozzy he can do whatever he wants <laughs> to do <laughs> no. um I don't care. so when the goonies comes out is that is that a life-changing thing for you is it 
I, I know it's like a classic movie. Was it as big as it? I feel like it got bigger throughout all the years. But when it first came out, was it like? I think it was pretty big. I, remember I think I think it. I think it did really well. I don't remember. Yeah, I, remember I think it did really well. But I think oh fuck, um, <laughs> I think it did well. But I think that like when I did thrashing afterwards, yes, which I think the nice. only reason I got thrashing was because there was a poster on Sunset Boulevard at the time, and it was a huge Goonies poster. And I think that's the only reason I got thrashing because financiers felt more comfortable financing a skateboarding movie that nobody wow. was going to care about that we thought nobody was going to care about yeah because there was a dude on a poster right next to that office but i think i was super bad i think i was i, I and so going from the goonies which was like the perfect experience yeah it's amazing to thrashing which was like a normal experience i realized that i i, I gotta figure this shit out and i gotta like become like figure out how to become an actor like for real yeah i mean i was given the best case scenario with the goonies and then i was left to my own devices i it was revealed that i just sucked mm. at least to me yeah then. i don't think so yeah you know at least to me then and now i don't you know i don't ever i remember when people say hey man i saw thrashing and you know changed my life and this and that and i go yeah I, I was horrible in that movie and da, 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 da. and i don't say that stuff anymore because yeah. you take away from somebody else's experience what they got. yeah exactly yeah it's crazy the red hot chili peppers playing like that skate, I know. That skate pit i know um Hosoy and alva's in there pearl willander one of my favorite freestylers yeah um yeah, was, that's crazy. It's such a classic. Yeah, I remember that that day with uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And did you know Hosoi and those guys before that or no? No, uh, no. That, I, so I met cool, everybody. Man. I met Tony Hawk during that. I met Hosoi wow. during that. I mean, and that was before all Hosoi went through his stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Lance Mountain I met during that time. I mean, they're, they're all the skaters. It's amazing. Tony, man. I mean, and you were a uh, fan of probably those guys for sure. All those guys. When I was skating as a kid, yeah, they yeah, were gods yeah. to us. Because those were all the guys that were in the skate in skateboarder magazine, the skateboarding magazine. Yeah. So it was all surfing and skateboarding was everything to us, and music was everything. Acting was not everything at that point. So that movie sounds like a dream at that time, though, for you. It was amazing. I just yeah. played the guy from the Valley, which I hated. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, living clearly. in Venice at the time. Yeah. I was all about Venice at the time. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be Hook. But then they gave me the fucking, you know, they're like, oh, he's the blonde guy that's yeah. like stout. Pretty boy. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but, but I was a, a staunch Venice guy at that point. I mean, we, we all were. Yeah. All, all of us were, were Venice people. Yeah. Um, somebody had to be from the Valley, I guess. Yes, you had to have one character. I had to have one asshole from the Valley. So, so then from that moment on, you're pretty much just doing movies and you're, you consider yourself an act. This is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. Yeah, I went back to school after the Goonies. I graduated. That's amazing. Did um, people bug out? Like, did they recognize you from that in the movie? You know, man, I, I've then? never. No. Okay. No, I mean, we did. We, I think we went back to Astoria, Oregon, once as like the anniversary to Goonies, and we signed photographs and all that. But, yeah. You know, I just have never been the, like maybe more now than ever. But I've never been a dude that's walking down the street where people are. Or maybe they do, but they, 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 they do, but they don't. Uh. And I always know it's coming. I can see it like peripherally. I somewhere. Or do I, I see somebody look up and they look too long and I go, oh, that's that thing happening. Yeah. But I've never had to deal with that on any wow. mass scale, which I don't, doesn't say a lot about me. I guess. No, it's pretty cool, though. It's pretty cool. You can just... I remember De Niro talking about when he was doing Raging Bull and all that, just being able to, to kind of melt into the streets and, and not be recognized. And I do, I think it's a mentality. I think that people who want to be recognized true, 
kind of Put strut in a certain yeah they oh, strut yeah. in a certain way they dress call in a the paparazzi way. on themselves so, oh dude that's real shit man that's just so lame <laughs> it's so lame. it's so lame. i know i hear about this shit all the time it's crazy. It is crazy so i mean some people are in it for different reasons that's you're, what you're, I mean. in it, you're in it for the craft and the art and you love it and you live it and you breathe it you love challenging yourself but i was around yourself. people like that yeah those were sure. people that i was influenced by and that that's what got me yeah you know i hear people that want to get into acting now and they're just like they want to be discovered on the street. They want mm-hmm. they want that kind of fairy tale version of and you know Instagram and all this kind of stuff. And they just want to be noticed. They want it. They yeah. think it's going to fill a hole. It's never going to fill it's a hole. Not, the man. acting life is like literally rejection. And then if you're lucky enough to have any kind of success, it's judgment. So it's rejection and judgment. Yeah. And then in that, if you're doing what you actually want to do yeah you get once in a while you get a result that people viscerally react to like outer range we didn't it was tested weird and we didn't it was something really new for amazon and it was it was a western but it had these supernatural elements to it and all this kind of shit and you're like how are people going to react you know you don't know i know people do you like the families is it more like you know yellowstone is it this do you kind of grab that audience and it's become its own deal. It's its own thing because I love Yellowstone. It doesn't remind me of Yellowstone at, at all. At all, dude. Yeah. And I was so proud to like we got to go to the premiere. Thank you for that and see it before other people saw it. And like you're my boy, so it's like God. I hope this shit's good. I want to tell him to his face. This shit is so good. And, and it kind of sucks that when you go, you know, and then and it's not good. And you yeah. and a buddy invites you, and you're like, hey, you know, you get you get that awkward. No, thing but we going. were like we were left like ha- hanging, like holy fuck! I can't wait to next week. Then we watched them again, yeah. and then to see like the billboards everywhere and see like it's, it's awesome like when I know when I know you're way working on that so hard then see it get the love it's, it's beautiful man it's beautiful you know what it's I mean? beautiful when people when you see it hit a nerve it's not beautiful because you think oh this is successful I'm happy for the financiers yeah. I'm happy that they spent that kind of money they spent that kind of money marketing and I'm sensitive to that kind of stuff but at the same time the actors are you know that work so hard on it when it's eight degrees out and you're right. going through nights and you're barely able to get through a scene and people are showing up and you're having to, having to lift morale because people just want to walk off the set you know, nobody really understands that process. Yeah. And when it's, when it hits a nerve, like it's hitting a nerve out there right now and people are fucking into it, you're stoked for people. You're stoked for your crew. You're yeah. stoked for your actors. You're stoked for the studio. You know, mm-hmm. it's great. I love, I, f- I forgot the actor's name. I love the dad of the two boys. He Will least, Patton. Yo. Yeah. I've known Will is, for a long time. He, I know he is fucking, his character is amazing. Dude. It's amazing. It's amazing. He, he's, he's so interesting. He's just, I know. Like the last episode I want to talk about it. It's just, yeah, I love it, dude. I'm so psyched to see more of it. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean not me too. So do, do, you, do, you, do you care about, you always said, obviously, yeah, high, highs and lows of like, did I not get that part? Did I get that part? That was a long time ago. Or also, do you care about reviews and Rotten Tomatoes and all that? Do you care about that shit? I don't know if I care. I mean, I think. Does that, it affect your life? Personally? No. It doesn't affect my life. Yeah. No, because I know. Like, why does Michael Bay have a career? You know, whether you like his stuff or not, you know, you see his Rotten Tomatoes is 20% and it's made $500 million exactly. or whatever. So, you know, does it pertain necessarily? It's not like New York theater where, you know, a theater critic will come out with one review and then suddenly there'll be half the audience. It's not like that. Yeah. People have their own opinions. People, you know, not everybody reads reviews and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Not everybody, you know, accesses Rotten Tomatoes and says, do I want to see this movie or not? There, There's, anyway, no, because 
I've done movies that aren't reviewed well that have done really well. I've yeah. done movies that have been reviewed really, really well that haven't done well. And then yeah. once in a while you do a movie like No Country that's reviewed Woo. really well and then people still talk about it. It's lasted beyond oh, yeah. you know, the five months that it's like a thing. And yeah. that's that's special. Yeah, when longevity. Things, yeah, yeah, that longevity. It's it's crazy like I always think about that. These motherfuckers that like view music and records, have they ever toured in a van or wrote a song or played a show to like five people in a basement? Like the people who are critics, like what, how do you get that job? Have you, are you an actor? Have you written a movie or a script? Like I don't understand. Like it makes, it's, it's always just to bother me back in the day, like reviews or just different things. Like what has this person done in music? But, they, but, but when it comes down to it, they're one, it's one opinion. Yeah, that's true. And you go, that's one opinion. You forget. There's something yeah. about a critic and a review that you think that's the mass opinion. Yeah. That's not the mass opinion. It's like one negative comment. That's one dude. Yeah. He like, he masturbated and then he watched your show <laughs> and then he took a shit and then yeah. he wrote. Yeah. And he asked, and he's a writer. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And, and, and he's trying to like, okay, I've written 19 reviews in the last three weeks. I have to make this review interesting and personal unto itself and then once in a while like back in the pauline kale days pauline kale was a critic or hedda hopper was a critic but pauline kale was a critic and you know she has a huge book out of her reviews and they're fucking brilliant dude okay so she had an insight that was unbelievable there's very few people that have that kind of insight and that yeah. have that kind of interest i remember there was one point where and i've told the story before but it was after Dune, and it wasn't because of Dune at all, because Dune was an incredible experience. But afterwards, I was like, I've done some, I'm hitting some kind of milestone or precipice right now. And yeah. I don't know if I want to continue in the way that I've been continuing. So I started kind of questioning the acting, and it's the, the, wow. the idea of acting yeah. wasn't as inspiring to me. And I was like, should, should I get more into the writing, or should I get more into the directing, or whatever it is? Or should I do something else entirely, which I've done, in, you know, during this career trajectory, I've traded for four years. I've just gone yeah. in a different direction, usually forced in a different direction. But <laughs> this was like a choice. Yeah. And, and I remember there was a point where I went up to our ranch and I started watching behind the scenes of great movies. And okay. it was one of the only times that I've been away from my kids for two or three days. And I was watching behind the scenes of, oh, that's a fart. I'm sorry, man. No, it's it, that's real. I told you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, man. No, it's good. This is real life, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, look at she's asleep too. She doesn't even know what's happening. I'm sorry, man. Stella just farted on Josh. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Wow, that's gnarly. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you never got farted on <laughs> ever in an interview never. ever. No, but it's very real. Super it's very grounding. I'm sorry, it's man. It's very yeah. grounding. Don't don't apologize. You didn't fart. Was that you? No, hell no. <laughs> I got a nice. My vegan farts smell right. nice. What was I even talking about? Um. Mm. I was saying that I watched these behind the scenes yeah. on these DVDs and everybody, every aspect of the filmmaking process, whether it was the editor or the writer or whatever, were all talking in the same way yeah. and they were all talking behaviorally and it got me so fucking jazzed again. I was like, ah, yeah. oh, man, that's why, that's why I got into it. Like yeah. that, that's what got me wanting to deal with the rejection for 20 years that's what got me that's what sustained me so i have to go back to this base place yeah yeah yeah. and it was great so i got all jazzed about it again i mean do you ever feel like quitting i mean you just not, said just now but like back in the day or not anything. not quitting just 
morphing into into other ass. I love yeah. I love story. I don't ever want to quit storytelling. Yeah, I just I, I I I appreciate different aspects of it more at certain times than at others. So directing more. Yeah, writing more. Yeah, and then acting. Um, I don't necessarily want to do all the time now, but yeah. if I do do it like outer range, I was offered something before outer range. That was a subject matter that I, I didn't, it was working with really, really good people, but the subject matter was not something that I wanted to deal with gotcha. day in and day out. Yeah. So outer range is a subject matter that I find sustainable Yes. because it's, it's wacky. It, it, it deals dude. in like a, it's like going back and doing avant-garde theater. It reminds me of like early Sam Shepard. It reminds me of Sam Beckett or yeah. UNESCO or Pinter or something like that. There's just something fucking off about it and really fun. It that, is, man. That is sustainable. So, Is there anybody you'd love to work with you haven't worked with? God, man. You work with so many people, man. I've been really lucky. Dude. I've been super, super lucky. I mean, I think back in the day, it was like the idea of working with somebody like Denzel American or, Gangster. Yeah, American Gangster, working with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, which I did in a, a Bucket Woody, list. Woody Allen movie. Yeah. So I've worked with a lot of the people. And now, like, new actors are coming, like Imogen Poots. Um, she's the blonde girl on Outer Range. Yeah. Like, she, like, she's a special girl to work with. A lot of those actors are. Lily Taylor. But now it's like I'm the older dude. Yeah, the OG on the set. Yeah. So I'm like, the, the newbies come up and you're like, God, I wonder if they have that thing or whatever that mm -hmm. thing is. Or I wonder if they're willing to put their asses on the line and be embarrassed in order to find that magic during a scene, you know? And, yeah. And, and because people are less brave than they were in the OG days. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you find that musically. Yeah, they're worried about... They're just worried about image. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't have that thing. Image, obviously. <laughs> Im image getting canceled, just everything. All of everybody's it. walking on eggshells. Everybody's, yeah. It's and I'm wondering, you know, sing and about who, talk about who knows yeah. what will happen with you and me in the future. But I think that thing about being canceled, I go, like, what is it about? Like, I don't think what happened I mean. to us in the future. Well, yeah, we're gonna get we, canceled. We don't know. Well, you know, you never know because yeah. I don't really pull punches on what I'm going to say or how no, I feel. No, I know. I love that. I but know. but I, I also don't think that I'm mean. I don't think that I'm looking to shit on anybody. Yeah. Or if I, feel, if I feel better than anybody or if I yeah. feel, you know what I'm saying? So maybe that's why it hasn't happened. Yeah. It seems like it's happening to so many and I just, I, I never, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it, an it, interesting it's, thing. It's a very, it's a very interesting time with yeah. just the online versus reality stuff too as well. Yeah. I, me I remember you were, I mean, your wife wasn't happy about it, but you were like giving out your phone number to people who were talking shit. And then you were like talking to these people on the phone. <laughs> I know, but it was, it was <laughs> interesting. Amazing. And you know, I, 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 I don't want to say it like suddenly everybody sends me their phone number and like call me. No, 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 no. You no, know, no. say something insulting and then but say But you were giving me. your phone number away. So. I was giving my phone number away because, and it was more political, like, you know, put something political out there. And yeah. it's like, you realize... If I live in the country, you're going to think a certain way. Yeah. It's like if you if your nearest neighbor is a mile away, it's a, just a different political mentality than if you live in the center of Hollywood in Los Angeles. True. It's just a different thing. You're exposed to different people. You're yeah. exposed to a different type of danger. You know, I find that people out in the country like to like, they like to, you know, like have 
have canned goods and shit like when the end of the world comes oh, yeah. when they get ambushed and and you're yeah. like you know that's never going to happen yeah but you but they, reality. But, but they like that thing they like having a sidearm a firearm on their side they like they like the idea that they're going to protect their families yeah. and all that kind of shit and then when you're here downtown like you see guns everywhere you see murder everywhere and you start to get mm-hmm. you know highly sensitive and desensitized to it true you know you're like part of you are like yeah people are being murdered three blocks away so you you become less sensitive to it but you're like fucking people are being murdered three blocks away like somebody just lost their life or i just saw a body on the street and you're and you're sensitive to it and it's different than when you're out in the middle of the country on some dirt road (laughs) imagining the shit that you're going to do. It's almost like you're yeah. imagining yourself being in a movie and you're Bruce Willis. Totally. And it's like, Die-hard that's shit. not how it works. Yeah, it's that's not just life. not how it's not real life. Yeah. But I understand it from both perspectives. Cause I've lived both perspectives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You lived like in the, in the woods, you lived in the city, you lived totally. everywhere, man. Like and I still up. do. Yeah. I mean, we have our ranch. It's a good we balance. Love. It's a great balance. And it's ex- extreme balances, but I like, the the extremes of silence i like how somebody said well you know what do you do up there and i was like i don't know what it is but when i'm on the ranch i'm when i'm at the ranch i'm 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 creatively i explode it's just like there's none of that other energy that's that's you know i like inhaling that energy when i'm when i'm in the city but i feel like it's it's churning and it's and it's and it's instigating a lot of shit that i need silence in order to manifest yeah. So when I'm at the ranch, it's like all that shit that I've inhaled starts to come out creatively and I don't have anything stopping it because there's nothing going on yeah, except yeah. birds and I was gonna say nature, you hear nature, nature and yeah. all that, which is also really inspiring. You see the stars, just all that stuff. Dude, it's, it's like, amazing. It's being connected amazing. to that. Um, and I find it necessary to be um, connected to both. I, I need both things in my life. That's just me personally. Yeah. And so how, how long have you been sober for now? I'm not. No, okay. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I put vodka in my coffee this morning. Um, you. Can you imagine? All kinds of shit there. Moon's all, all the vodka <laughs> over there. <laughs> oh, look at that. Um, my wife doesn't even drink. What the hell is she? It's just like some shit you got in Europe or something. Yeah, because it looks cool. Because the bottles look cool. Yeah. They look retro. Yeah, like were you, were you like, were you like partying and wilding out when you first started acting too? Like, or do you get sober or... I had this thing because of by, because of the fear that I had. I think when I would work, I wouldn't. I would be pretty straight when I worked, and and then that started to bleed over later. Um, yeah. Where, where where I would mix work with you know not being straight, and 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 it would get in the way, or it would you know? Did create, it fuck up some jobs for you? Create concern. It fucked up a couple of jobs for me. Mm-hmm. It was not usually when we were actually working, but like rehearsing or something like that. Yeah. Um. And I hated that because I always took a lot of pride in being on top of my shit yeah. and separating the two. But with, you know, typical people who abuse, you know, alcohol and all that, it just like you, you're like, okay, this is the best structure. I'll drink when I'm doing this and then I won't drink when I'm doing this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that lasts as long as it lasts and then it starts to bleed over and it starts to affect your work and starts to affect your relationships and and then, and then I didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, it's like people are like I'm not going to drink before the. I won't drink before I play. I'll no, drink after I play. Exactly. Then all of a sudden there's a beer on stage. Yeah. 
Then your guitar player is drinking, which was my bass player. Yep. And then he's fucking shit faced during the set. Yeah. And, and he's playing like shit. Yeah. And, and it's affecting everybody else. Yeah. And it's like, it, 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 and, and if you do it once or twice, or that's one thing. And then if you start bleeding over into, it's affecting our music, it's affecting our fan base, it's affecting all yeah. that kind of stuff. And you go, what's the point? I don't yeah. understand the point. And, and I find it when you're struggling and when you're hungry, you're able to separate the two because your focus is so kind of diamond. It's yeah. like, I, I want to create music and I want people to hear the music. I want people to react to the music. And then when you get successful, that's that thing of kind of resting on your laurels and you, and you start getting less hungry and you yeah. start kind of looking outside yourself and the success becomes something else and you don't know how to deal with the success. And you don't, you know, somebody says, play that one song. Play, what was it? Um, <laughs> Gautier? Remember that Gautier? I think so, yeah. I remember it. Gautier? Yeah, Gautier was uh, <laughs> was a band that when I did SNL the second time, it okay. was the band, and, and they had a song that w they were like, it was the song that they, it was the one song they played <laughs> over and over, and I remember that dude at some point, we were like, you know, we have other fucking songs. Exactly. But that's what happens know, with bands. You get known for one song. I know. And, and, and if you're lucky enough, you'll be around long enough and you'll be the Rolling Stones, which doesn't exist for many true. bands so where every fucking song is great. Every song. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, and I think people have a hard so time true. with that. It's, it's. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously there's so many movies people know you from. It's not just one movie, especially the past, like five, six, seven years. You know what I mean? But you, you were grind. You were like, no pun, uh, not pun intended, but you would do a bunch of things and then. Then Grindhouse, and I feel mm. like that 2007 where shit started really popping. Not like shit wasn't popping for you before that, right? You were still working, staying busy. No, I was. I was. I was not necessarily busy, and it, you know, when I look back on it, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy how it all kind of laid out because yeah. if 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 that would have happened younger, what would it have been like? How would I have dealt with it? Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I, and, and you know, with the drinking and stuff like that. So that's what affected those years, kind of before the grindhouse, right? You my were, drinking? Just all no. That? Okay, okay. No, 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 no. It's just the way. It, that's the way it was. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I remember I was like considered the guy that should have hit but didn't, and wow. for whatever reason. And then once in a while, I'd get a role. Like flirting with disaster was a big role for me, but it was a small movie. But it was Patricia Arquette. Love her. Ben Stip. Patricia's amazing. True. Ben Stiller. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, like one of the greatest. Yes. Um, ben Stiller, Alan Alda, uh, Richard Jenkins, Lily Tomlin, Mary Tyler Moore, George Jesus. Siegel. And it was like, and, and, and I remember the director wanted me to do the movie and the studio was like, we're not interested in that dude. And, and I'm the only name that's not on the poster. Like they did Damn. everything they could. But the director, the director was the one that said, that's the dude that I want. He's got something that I want. And it was like an amazing fucking experience. And then afterwards, I went back to doing kind of no man's land TV or movies yeah. or whatever I had to you do. You like the bad boy in Hollywood kind of? No. But that's no. what they thought you were? Nobody you thought anything. <laughs> I didn't exist, man. That's fucking crazy, I didn't dude. exist. That's the thing is you like Brad Pack or Sean Penn or, yeah. the, you know, but Rob Lowe or Emilio Estevez, it's like I wasn't part of any group. Nah. I was by myself. I was sheep. just this no man's land actor that hopefully would get hired once in a while and hopefully do a good job 
with movies that were usually not seen by anybody or series that weren't seen and canceled early. Yeah. Is that way on you too, on your mental and everything like you back then because you have a family and you have to make money and you don't know how you're going to make money and you're living in New York city in a 500 square foot apartment and your bedroom is a closet and you know, your kid, you stick your kid back there and then you have another kid and, and, and and you're freaking out because you're like, it, it was always about, how are we going to make enough money to get through? Because say you made thirty grand in a year, but really you only cleared ten because you had a lawyer and an agent. Oh yeah, and all that stuff. You had taxes, so you cleared just enough money to kind of get through. And then maybe you did a series that lasted six episodes. I was really lucky to do Young Riders. Young okay. Riders. I think I got paid twenty grand an episode, and Sick. that was that's and great that's, back then. That's, that was at the third year and that was huge. Sick, so yeah. if you're doing 22 episodes at 20 grand, bro, you know, you're making like serious, you're, you're, you know, you're able to like live for a couple of years the yeah. way you've been living totally at least. And, and, uh, That's so great. that was that, that I was able to live off that for a few years, a few really dry years after young writers. Yeah. And I was doing theater instead of like a lot of those guys were doing movies between, between seasons and Zerby was like, you don't, you, you need to do theater, man. You need to cultivate your character. You need to cultivate your skill. Don't do what these guys are doing. Mm. And, and it was really hard to do that because I'd see somebody go do a good movie that like people appreciate it. And I'd be like, well, fuck, I should be doing that. Yeah. And I'm sitting here doing theater in Rochester, New York that, <laughs> you know, only 85 year old people are caring about, you know, but it was the best thing I ever did. I was going to say that. Yeah. It's probably Literally changed the everything best for you. thing I ever did. So then, or whatever. So Grindhouse, that's not to talk about all your movies, but Grindhouse, No Country for Old Men, incredible, got an Oscar, Oscar award, uh, American Gangster, incredible. And then W was crazy because your dad played Reagan in the movie as well. He did. So that's kind of dope. You guys both played presidents. I don't know if it was before that or after that. Yeah. That he, I think it was after that that he played Reagan. It's Maybe he won cool, an Emmy though. for it. I think he won wow. an Emmy for it. I think, or he was nominated for it. I Emmy. thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was that was. Um, Oliver came to I think we were doing Milk and he had had oh, yeah, he, had, he had done um, U-Turn with Sean Penn oh yeah, I remember that too yeah and I think that they had kind of a, a, a cantankerous tough relationship during that so I kind of brought them back together because Oliver was talking to me about W and wanted me to do it and then after I finished Milk we had to start W really quickly and I got so stressed out that I ended up getting Bell's palsy Holy so shit. So I, I lost half of the, the not the feeling, but half of my face just dropped. Literally. From stress. Had, yeah, from stress. Wow, man. And I had that, and then I called Oliver, and I said, look, I, I know I can't do this role because, like, my face <laughs> is falling up. off my skull. Holy shit. And he was like, well, wait. We're, we'll, you know, how long is it going to take to get it back? And I said, look, I've done all this research now. I don't know if I'm ever going to get it back. That's so I don't scary. know if I'm going to get it partially back, or I don't know if I'm going to get it, you know. To- and Jeez. I don't know. There's no timeline. It's yeah. like, it's it's depending on the person. And he said, well, go take care of yourself, and da 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 And then he would call every day, and I'd say, stop calling me because it's creating stress. Why are you calling me? And and then I'd call him two weeks later and I'd say, no, there's no improvement. I don't know what to tell you. You Damn. should call Sean. You should have Sean do it. Or maybe Sam Rockwell would be great. And ironically, Sam Rockwell ended up getting nominated for playing W 20 years later oh, yeah, or right. 15 years later, whatever. Wow, man. Um, so yeah, eventually I got better. And I remember the first, right before we started shooting, we did an entertainment weekly um, photo shoot with Platon. 
um, a photographer and I still had like a lazy eye. Wow. Yeah, and you can kind of see it when you look at it. But that's yeah. scary, man. It's wild. And that's just stress. That's crazy. That's stress. That. That's stress. And just you, wanting to do a good job and like freaking out and being in a little room, eating shitty, you know, <laughs> air conditioning fucking hitting you all worst. day long. The worst. And, and trying to get the voice down and trying to get all that stuff down and just driving, you know, like, why do I do this? And I shouldn't be an actor anymore. I should go Damn. do something else. And then you just end up driving yourself into such questioning distress. your shit. Totally. Oh, were you a pretty harsh critic of yourself, obviously? During the process, not afterwards. Like but I'm it saying is, in general, just throughout your career. I don't look back and, and think of it in those terms. Like, yeah. I, did, I, did I do what I needed to do in order to serve the story? Did, yeah. I, did I do a good enough job? Like, yeah. No Country is a good example. When I look at No Country, I was like, I did exactly what I, incredible, what I needed to do. Not, incredible. oh, wow, you're so great in that film. That's not my business, but, yeah. but other, you know, that, that's why, yeah, I, I just never, I never got to that place where I was like, am I good or am I not yeah. good? Or that's other people's business. I mean, that was incredible. I mean, the scariest part of that movie was Homeboy's Hair, man. Homeboy's Hair. Yo. <laughs> know, it's a great it was just, it was it's a great decision. Man. It was just incredible, man. Like, yeah. yeah, Milk's incredible too. You played Harvey's Killer. That was an incredible movie, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard like the community was ex- was. It was weird at first, or like they accept you do. Yeah, I was playing. staying. God, what what is that? I was staying uh, in. Oh God, why why am I forgetting what it's called? But um, the gay part of town. Mm-hmm. Um, I was staying above it on the hill, so I would come down for breakfast and all that, especially during rehearsals. And and when when it started to get out there that I was playing Dan White, and people were super super uh, supportive, super supportive. Yeah. Where I thought they'd be like, oh, you're the fucker that's playing. They killed our guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it was the opposite. It was great. And it, yeah, it was, it was not only were people supportive, that was an amazing community. It was an amazing group of actors. Yeah. You know, we had so many people that knew Harvey that were on set that were really, really super helpful. I remember when I first came to the set, um, uh, Cleve saw me, who was really close with Harvey, and he was like, that's the wrong guy. Wow. Like you got the wrong guy and I came as me. I hadn't done anything yet. And then when, once we did the haircut, once we okay. started rehearsals and all that kind of shit, he was like, Oh, Oh, I get it now. I get it. <laughs> but it's hard to hear somebody who knew Harvey yeah, and say man. like you miscast him. That's you know? yeah. It's like, let me, but I was so used to it at that point. Let me, yeah, I let me show so, you my work though. Let me, let me, let me show you how I can do it first before you judge me. But I don't know if no country had come out yet. Okay. I don't know that, you know, people again only knew me as this guy that like, I don't know. It was kind of like, like got by. Mm. Is it crazy? People like they'll see you as a character from a movie and think that you're that person or you know what I'm saying? Like, no, that's, you know what? That's more like TV. I remember in TV people would think that. Like you know, like I do Young Riders, people are like you think you're so tough, don't you? <laughs> you'd be like, or say something to you like draw or something, yeah, <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> but that never happened after like 35. Okay. You know, people just kind of appreciate the work for. But what even it like is. with Thanos and Cable and stuff like that, like Thanos is a weird thing, man. Thanos is like, you know, kid like adult. When kids come up to you, it's great. When adults, when adults come, up? come up to you and you see that thing in their eye. You know, like it's like a crazy, it's a, it's a crazy, they're like, like, can you talk to me in that voice? And I'm like, it's a weird kind of obsession. Marvel has a, a fan base Yo. that's upset. Like that's, that's saved. That's been their lives. That's literally been like just inhaling all that stuff. Yeah. And, and it's cool. I just don't, 
<laughs> I just don't know how to deal with it half the time. But that, that, that's a def, definitely different level of it put you into a different world of people. Do you know what I'm saying? As far as people, it was that, just a it was a widely seen film. So yeah, I, I know that the in game was like the number one film, and I think the other one um, was number five of all time. So. It was a lot of people Infinity saw War, yeah. it. So yeah. like, oh, you're the 800-pound, seven-foot purple dude. Yeah, I would much rather be the purple <laughs> dude in that situation than, than be anybody else in that movie, you know? Yeah. I think they've had a tougher time just because you can identify them. With me, it's, it's, it's based on my face, but it's not. Yeah, but then you get toys and all kinds of crazy shit out of that. I didn't get anything. There was, there was no characters they sold? Or was no, toys? they did. They sold them. I just, they didn't I'm sell just, them to I'm me. I'm just saying, though, like... Have you had toys of yourself before that? Was oh, probably Goonies, I'm sure. No, I don't remember any. I don't know. Huh. Maybe Goonies a little bit. Yeah. You know, like bobbleheads or something like that. <laughs> but 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 with Thanos, you it's know, somebody crazy, would call me bro. once in a while and be like, hey, I have access to a six-foot Thanos. Do you want one? And I go, no. <laughs> like I don't a six want foot- a six-foot <laughs> Thanos in my house. In your house? Yeah. Um, obviously, Inherent Vice. I love that. Fuck, that was an incredible movie as well, man. That was before all that stuff too. Um, Sin City, I love. Old Boy, I fucking love Labor Day. I thought that I love that movie. Because Kate why? Winslet, oh, I just loved it. I just love. Because you and I like to cry. Yeah, I love like emotional movies like that. I know, me too. Uh, Wall Street, True Grit, Men in Black Three, Guardians of the Galaxy. So much shit, man. Yeah. It's just such a. It's just a long. Um, yeah, it's just long. It's a longevity career. It's, I think it's beautiful, man. It's you, fun because it's mixing it up. You know, yeah. it, it's mixing, it, it's mixing it up. But I remember somebody from Universal, Donna Langley said to me, you know, we really like to see you in Sicario. That's a great character for you. And you should explore that character it's more. Great. And it was a great moment. We were in Berlin and we were, um, I think we were, uh, I think Hale Caesar was at the Berlin Film Festival. Yep. We weren't sure how it was going to do, but she said but that moment was like super personal and super important. And I remember after that, I kind of, I did, I, I did Legacy of a White-Tailed Deer Hunter. I decided to do Deadpool where I don't think I would normally do that at that point. Yeah. I decided to do Avengers. I decided to do a second Sicario and it was, that was a fun run. Yeah. Insane. And then now, you know, you're like, that's what I told you. I hit that precipice and it was like, okay, what do we want to do now? Yeah. Let's look for a Western, but let's look for a Western that's really off camber. Yeah. Or let's let's do we developed um, this role or this this uh, script with Peter Dinklage where he and I are playing twins. Amazing, man. You know, gained a bunch of not a bunch, but a little bit of weight for that. And just, you know, it's just a different type of character. And you're like, is that and that's one of those things that you go back to this base place. Like, is this going to work? Am I am I was I getting too comfortable in that one area? Yeah. And kind of resting on my laurels there. And now I'm going to do something completely the opposite. And will it work? Will people, will people uh, embrace it or not? Is this straight up comedy? Mm-hmm. Sort of. Yeah. Dramedy. Dramedy. Whatever that is. Will that come, will that come out this year? Yeah, I think so. At the end of the year. And, and how, how hard is it to, <clears throat> you have four, five children. Mm. I that, have five children. Wait, Eden? Trevor, Eden, Westlin, Chapel, and you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> And is it true Trevor would sketch your characters? 
Yeah, I that's mean, he did a couple cool. of times. There's that's one, cool, though, dude. I think you came over to my place, and yeah, I don't know yeah. if I showed you. On the wall, I have, when I did Grindhouse, I sent him the script of Grindhouse because I couldn't figure out the character. And I said, well, you sketch what you get when you read it. And he sketched it. It was great. He so put a cool. big belly on him. He put these pills on his bedside table, <laughs> and he put a thermometer in his mouth. Wow. Uh, and the, the thermometer, to him, was gauging his rage, his level of rage. Love and it. I thought that was such a fucking <clears throat> great that's thing. cool. So we man. ended up using that. So yeah. is it? It's been obviously balancing family and your career and all that stuff. It's seems like you you, you do it pretty well. Yeah, only because I think the family is a priority. Yeah, it's never not the priority. I have to work. Yeah, I have to bring in money to be able to live. Yes. So I have that, and now it's a little different because I have choice, which can be a really wonderful. But it can also be a little crazy making because you're like, well, what's the right choice? What do I want to do? And then you have to go back into yourself and saying, what do I actually want to do or what's going to be? You don't know. You never know what's going to be successful. Like what I said about out of range. I was like, yeah. I don't know if this is if people are going to re respond to this or not. Yeah. And but I think the family, I think my kids know this, my older kids, for sure, that they were always the priority, you know, that yeah. even when I couldn't be there. I remember once in, in Tucson, Arizona, like I fell asleep with my, my son on the phone. He was in New York and I was in Tucson, Arizona and we woke up six hours later still on the phone. Wow, man. And I remember hearing him going, ah, Papa. And I was like, hey that's man, what's up? Good morning. Dude, that's you're beautiful, still, man. You know, and it's stuff like that. Like you remember and you're, that's what resonates for the kids and you want to know. And I don't know if that comes out of all the stuff that we were talking about before about families being neglectful or you know i've heard your mom on this podcast oh, and yeah. i thought she was so freaking great i thought she was like one Thank of the you. great characters of all time <laughs> my mom was a great character i wish she was still around to be able to yeah, do a podcast man. with because it would be similar when i heard your mom i was like oh my god she's like my mom but awesome. but it, it it i don't know if it's because of that time and because of that era whatever that was if I react differently or I don't yeah. know, like, it, you know, to me, like one of the best compliments is comes from my dad. And he says, you're such a great dad, man. I love That's the dad that you man. are. You know, he said, I never could do what you're doing. I could never, you know, he said, but I love watching you with your kids. It's, it's beautiful. And, and that's a, like an amazing compliment. Dude, that's, amazing. Fucking, that's huge. That's the ultimate compliment. Yeah. And I wish my dad was here for that. You know what I'm saying? That, and that's, you, that, and that, that's where my emoness comes in is not having a dad to like hit up and say, hey, yeah. you know, teach me this. Or maybe when you took me fishing or to baseball because I, I was three when he died. Yeah. So yeah, to have that still is beautiful, man. How did but he then die not if you don't mom. mind me? Yeah, my dad died at 33 of a rare heart condition. Wow. 33. I remember I was uh, wow. after school at my aunt's house and they said my dad had chest pains and he went to the hospital and never came back. Wow. So I definitely have daddy issues because my mom didn't let us go to the funeral yeah. and have any closure, mm -hmm. say goodbye to him. And my two older brothers, brothers were fucked up probably more from it. But yeah, I definitely have. I don't know if you have that thing with Max, but I know that I have that thing with my kids that I, 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 I'm always afraid that that's going to happen to them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I have that thing in me where I go, like, I don't want to some, you know, because we never know. You don't know when you're driving down the street. You don't sure. know when you do. You just don't know. And, and I go, I don't want my kids to have to deal with that. I don't want to the same yeah. thing that you dealt with at three, the same thing that I dealt with at 27. Yeah. And then you just get a call and you go, that person is, will no longer be in your life forever. I fucking hate so, death. I hate even talk. I know. I even think about like how old we are and like 
damn, we're all like halfway in our lives. Like, <clears throat> how long are we going to live to? And like, exactly. I want to be here forever to watch my son. You want to watch it. your kids? That's it. I hate thinking about it, but it's definitely part of life. It's, but just, it's just part so of life morbid. that literally everybody has to deal with. And it sounds so morbid, but it's just part of the deal. But I just don't want to, dude. I, I don't want to either. <laughs> I don't want to. When I think so about it. figure it out. <clears throat> that's why I'm telling my son that you can live here as long as you want. You're 19. Yeah. I'll build a fucking apartment for you in the, in the garage. I just, I don't want to, it's only my only kid. So it's like, we're like tight. Yeah. So no, it's, I know how tight you are. Yeah. I'm just, it's like, I, I tell you that. I mean, you and I met on the street, Yeah. but it was beyond that on Instagram when I would see you and Max and your, this dog, right? In the car videos. In the car videos <laughs> that would crack me up. And I was like, I have to know this dude. This guy's amazing. It Thank just, you, man. and it was all based on you and your relationship with your kid. Yeah, man. Don't start crying. No I'm not, more. but I think it's amazing that Eden, she's fucking on Yellowstone, killing it. I know. And, and she's an amazing singer. Yeah. What's the name of her group again? Attaboy. Dude, that's, it's awesome. Like, she just finished her third album. Dude. She's getting married very, very, very soon. Wow. And I go up for that. The guy's I love, cool? love the dude. Okay. Love him, Cameron. He's amazing. And yeah, man. But it's like, it's all... Like, I know, I know. And, she can, and you know what's great about her? And like I said, I was harder on my kids. I think harder on my older kids when they were young than the kids I have now. Whereas now, like what you're talking about, like when, when you start, like last night, we all slept in the same bed, all four of us. Fucking amazing. And, and that's just one of those things that you go, yeah, but developmentally, they're supposed to be on their own. They're supposed to yeah. be in their room. They're supposed to be in this. And then at, at one point you go, fucking, what about people with big families and like, yeah. In Italy with nine kids and they're, they're growing up in a two bedroom apartment or one bedroom apartment and all yeah. this kind of stuff. They're not all fucked up. No. So why can't I have my kids in the room? I don't need them in the room, but they sleep better. Yeah. So I'm going to do that now. I'm just going to do that. I'm willing to take the consequences of whatever that is, but I just want to fucking hang with my kids all the time. Yeah. We did that too. And like, okay, is, is four too old? Is yeah, five exactly. too old? And like, yeah. is he ever going to leave the bed? But like. One day I told my wife, like, doesn't matter how long he sleeps with us for, because yeah. one day he's not going to be in the bed, and we're going to wish we had those moments again. Exactly. You know what how I mean? old like, is he now? Nineteen. And he still sleeps in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's with. Um, no, no. I know, I know, but I it's know. like it's just beautiful. Do, do any of the other kids they act at all too, or do other, do music? No, my son works in Albuquerque with a, a buddy of mine that started a a big like it's a multiplex bar system. It's like a sports bar, but there's five Sick. different bars. It's amazing, dude. It's called Revel, and he helps run that. That's cool. Totally happy, stoked. I see him tomorrow. He's here. He's in town. And, uh, yeah, so he's stoked on that. Eden's, you know, dealing with what I've dealt with for years, which is what's the next job and, Ooh. you know, all that stuff. But she's doing very well. She just worked with Patricia, our cat. That's amazing. Which was man. great. And I saw Patricia not too long ago. She was like, I just worked with Eden. I was like, no way. That's so cool, so that's, dude. That's really rad because I've known Patricia since I was 20 five wow man so to be able to know that you know 20 whatever years have gone by and now she's working with my daughter and it, it's Dude. just cool as shit did she ask you for advice about acting no there, no, no okay no and okay. people have asked me that forever about my dad yeah it's like what's the advice i think he gave advice i don't know if i listened okay but every it's the trajectory of everybody's career is so different yeah that's true that you go, like, what would the advi advice be? It would be like, you know, learn how to relax. Or I remember my dad brought up, like, don't wear shoes that are too small. <laughs> I was like, what does Who that have to do that? with anything? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I, that's, <laughs> it meant something to him. It didn't mean anything to me. But watching them, like watching my dad, 
was had more influence than anything. Totally. Or maybe Eden watching me or had, seeing how I dealt with the business or the fact that I didn't let it necessarily get to my head. She's super, super grounded and she works super hard. Yeah. And I love seeing that, that work ethic. My son's the same way. My son works super hard and I love seeing that in my kids. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. you think they, did you feel pressured to like, you know, be under your dad's shadow as far as like you, you acting or I did in the beginning, you know, because he was like, he was the guy who did Marcus Welby or he's the guy who did hotel or of course you want to be an actor because you're trying to ride on the coattails of your dad. Yeah. You know, you don't know what to do with your life. So you're just going to take the easy route kind of thing. At least that's what I made up in my head. So yeah. there's that whatever shadow I was running. But I think when I did theater, it was different because my pop had not, he hadn't done theater. And I think that, whatever decisions I made, whether they were in reaction to him or not, the, the, it became my own road as opposed yeah. to, can you help me get a job? Can you help me get a job? Can you help me Put get a job? Put a word job? in for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which was never the case. And I, I love think, that. And after a certain amount of years, you become your own deal. Of course. And so no matter what anybody says, it didn't matter. People are like, oh, you're an actor because you your dad. And it. you're like, you know, yeah, I'm just doing the work that I'm trying to do and, and I hope that it has an impact. And if it doesn't, then I'm sure I'll be out of this business before, you know, <laughs> you care to comment again. But my, my, my son's like that too. He doesn't want, I don't want your hookups. I don't want this app. If I get him something here and there, like uh, I just got him a good deal on a drum set or some cymbals, but right. he wants to become his own, do his own thing. I Which love, I understand. Yeah, I love that. And for you to fight against that, He's just going to fight you more. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, you have to, even if they come back and that's the thing, it's like that whole idea of you let them go and then, and then, and they'll come back and, and they have the space to be able to come back. Yeah. You know, but he has to, if it's all based on you, then what, then where's his identity? I know. You know it, what I mean? It's crazy. We don't, we don't, we don't own our children. Like we make them, we raise them and then we don't own them. They just, they just go off into the world, man. It's fucking crazy, man. I know. I know. Cause you feel like you do when you have them. You know, and just. I need a liquid death. I got you, bro. You want a uh, you want a bubbly one or a regular one? The regular one. You love it. Tell oh. us how much you like liquid death. <laughs> you you by the way, I'll, t I'll take a bubbly. Oh, no, I t I'll take this. this yeah, I've been lacing you with liquid. Dude, thank you because you ordered. I think it was out of range where we, we got you sent you some liquid death, right? Some pallets out there. You didn't send me. Yeah, some actual pallets. Like people don't send pallets; they send a box. You sent like 12 boxes, <laughs> 15 boxes. I got to tell you, man, cool, I do. And I'm not doing this because you told me to do this, but I love this stuff. And I, I don't shit. know how they've become as successful as they've come because liquid death to me is like, that's not a name. That's not a successful name. And I even looked at their Instagram and I was like, this Instagram sucks. <laughs> and, and it was, it's, they're everywhere and it's good. That's why that's, it's yeah. a great, it's a great parallel to whatever the cosmetic reaction to somebody yeah if they have depth if they have good water that's all that fucking matters and it's good water and it's great water it's not from good austria water. From is the it mountains, from austria the mountains of austria that's well, so good and, and, and the cans from there too but i remember sending it to you like what the fuck is this but yeah do they yeah, everybody man. behind it involved in it it's like the dude who started it his whole do you know what i mean his, his whole goal and his whole mission yeah and it's like shocking that the super bowl commercial yeah. Like all that. It's no, just, I remember that. I remember you it, told it, me about the Super Bowl. But it's super, it's super punk though. You know what I mean? It's soup. That, well, that's what I mean. It's like something that shouldn't Shut. necessarily be successful. It's like, we're going to have a water and we're going to call it liquid death. Are you thirst? 
It, but it's just super punk, though. You know what I mean? It's super and punk. so many other companies, so I'm not going to say their names, they hate Liquid Death and they're they're threatened by Liquid Death, but Good. it's just water in a can. But that's, like, that's so, all it is. Talk about punk, man. They're threatened by something that shouldn't work or this idea that it shouldn't work and it is working. Yeah. There's nothing more punk. People get than pulled that. over by the cops for having this in the car. <laughs> I know. What about your kid drinking it? I know, dude. Your kid that... drinking a forty. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that I think kid, I think kids who want to like hang out, maybe act older, hang out with their parents, they want to open one of these up with their. You know what I mean? I How know. great is it being pulled over for drinking a can of liquid death and then telling the cop that you're sober? Eight plus years. You, pro- you probably still get a ticket because they're probably embarrassed and bummed yeah, that like they exactly. wasted their time. Exactly. Um, what, what what do you think the biggest misconception about you is, or is the one? I think that something that that I am, or I, I fuck, how do I answer that? Question? Like, is there something ever was? I know on, what you mean. It was on. The, it was like something about you. Like, that's not even fucking me, man. Because I think it's the before. same thing that you have. Totally. You that think they really know you. That you're covered in tattoos. That you're a singer of a punk rock band. You've been around for a while, and you're the most emo guy I know. Thank you. It's a compliment. It is a compliment. I mean, I, I, you know, I ride choppers. Yeah, you I'm love a, for motorcycles. I, I, I love, love motorcycles. I've never I, ridden one, but yeah. You know, I've been riding my whole life. My dad put me on an Indian when I was three and a half years old. Sick. Took the training wheels off two weeks later. You know, it's just been a major part of my life for growing up on a ranch and being involved in westerns and all that kind you of lived stuff. It. There's some idea, some manual that was put out there that guys that have that those cosmetics or have those interests are supposed to act in a certain way. And I have no interest in acting that way at Love all. That. You know, there was a book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, yes. and I read that book 20 years ago, and I was like, I'm from fucking Venus. Like, I'm a chick. <laughs> I'm a chick. <laughs> and I don't give a fuck. That's okay yeah. because I'm interested in that. I'm the dude that's saying, hey, we should talk about this. Or <laughs> I'm the dude who's crying at the commercial. Oh, hell yeah. I'm the dude. I, I talked with Dak Shepard about that. And I was saying that the, the, when, when I see something really sad, maybe I, I, I contract a little bit. But when I see people performing some act of bravery or a mother lifting a car off kindness. her child yeah, or an act of kindness... I'm like, I'm jello, man. I'm just the sappiest motherfucker. And I don't mind it. Me I either. like it. I went to a buddy, uh, Elijah Allen Blitz. I went to a buddy of mine. And he said, I did this short film and I want to show Westland because she's the core audience. She's three years wow. old. I want to show Westland. And I went over there and I saw it. And it's about how as we get older, we stop using our imaginations. Okay. We stop resorting to this kind of fantastical way of thinking that we have when we're children. And I'm sitting there and Westland's watching it and she's really enjoying it. And I'm over here fucking tears pouring down mm. my face. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's that thing that... You know, a man is best a man when he keeps the heart of a child. That that's a yeah. motto I try to continue I love to live that, by. Dude. I have yeah. a heart of a child too. You do I get emo- I still cry when I see ET. That was my favorite movie. When he's in the river and he's all totally. ashy and white, I, I, I cry at everything. And I think also, I, I'm I I this is me. This is me on the gram. This is me in my kitchen. And maybe I do put myself out there when I post videos of what I'm feeling from my heart, and people see that as weakness. You know what I mean? Like I'm well, like you're, in a, you're supposed Ooh, to be a hardcore. What are you supposed to be a hardcore singer and a hardcore band and and, and you can't you gotta be tough or you can't have these emotions that I just 
I just when I put my shit, that's just me. It's like nothing else. People know that's me. I love Coldplay. I fucking cry when I see them live. <laughs> I know you. It's love my fucking Coldplay. favorite band. I'm not ashamed. I love the most more than most punk bands. But I've always been like that. This is just me who I am. I've always worn my heart on my sleeve. Tattoos are how I express myself. I don't. This is my addiction. But you love that about you, don't you? Yeah. I mean, me. do you ever? It, that's you. And yeah. I don't understand the other way. If somebody says something that's not true about you online. Obviously, you should never respond to that person or react to that person because that's what they want from you. That's how they win. Right. But sometimes it does eat at you like, fuck, I wish I could just say that. That's not true. You don't even fucking know me. This is what you see on here. But all that, all that shit on your phone is not like this is reality, me and you right now. Like that phone shit is not. It's great to promote different things, you know, inspire people, do, you know. But as you get older, I think that's the difference between, you know, somebody asked me this this morning. Do you feel as a parent you deal with things differently now than you did before? Yeah. And as I get older, there's your boy. Jesus Christmas. There's your boy. I'm coming in for a liquid yeah. death. Good What's morning. up, pal? <clears throat> How are you? We're talking about life, nice mate. To see you, you. Don't interrupt the podcast. Okay? Hi. Good morning. Talking about as you get older, we're talking about the internet and shit like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm. get out of here, my podcast. <laughs> no, don't kill the vibes. Get your liquid death and kick rocks. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> morning. Hi. Okay, liquid, bye, guys. Liquid death and then out of here. Take care, you guys. Beautiful life. It just walks all over you. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about, so, care, about caring about internet, I guess, that we're talking about? Caring about yeah. internet. And you go, you, as you get older, you have the choice. You go, do I, do I really want to react to that? Why am I reacting to that? I, I understand the that there's the manipulation of like somebody saying something to you because they want you to say something back so they can say, oh, look at this exchange that I had with yes. this guy and all that and kind of stuff. It. I don't think in those terms, so I forget. They're just yeah. another human being to me. Totally. So even if I react strongly, I'm reacting to another human being, which is why I used to say, just fucking call me. <laughs> oh, no, and then no. I would end up having these conversations with these people that were really, they were super interesting because yeah. I got to... It was a different perspective than my own. And I was curious, like, why do you see things through these eyes? Why do you think that all Democrats are bad? Yeah. Why am I supposed to think that all Republicans are bad? Totally. Like, I don't understand that kind of extremism. Like, can you, can you really live without a differentiation of thought? No, you need differentiation. You need to be challenged in a certain way. Yes. In order to understand, you know, why you're living the way you want to live, why you're you know, expressing the way that you want to express. I don't understand this idea of, I want you to think like me and only like me. That's like a Hitler mentality. It's crazy. And it makes no sense to me. I agree. Man. If, if life were just this simple and this safe, and if everybody just thought based on this manual, everything would be okay. And I yeah. go, fuck, how, how is that any different than, than you know what they did in Russia back in the day yeah, when it was yeah. USSR and yeah. you know and communism and I, I don't understand like why do you want that now yeah I don't understand the lack of differentiation of thought or an inclusion of a differentiation of people I agree my wife is yeah, punk yeah my wife's not vegan my wife's not straight edge I don't hang out with people like me all my friends aren't it would be so boring if all my, all of us acted and all oh, the exact same thing you know exactly. what I mean like I love having conversation with people who aren't from our world, you know what I mean? I do too. And, and and maybe I don't understand it. Yeah. But I'm interested in understanding it. Yeah. But people, it's funny, when you get into conversations with people who think very differently than you, they think by you trying to understand it that you want to be like them. Mm -hmm. And I go, no, I just want the knowledge. And then yeah. I'll assess myself whether it's something I feel like I want to be more like or not. 
Yeah. Anyway. I mean, online gets really like that forcing opinions and separation and division and you have to like this or that guy's The thing about Instagram, dude, is it's consequenceless reacting. You know what I mean? So people can say what they say with no consequence. If you say something that is said in a comment on Instagram to my face right now, I'm going to react to you. Totally. So when you say it, you're going to keep in mind, oh, he's actually going to hear me say, like, we're in the same room. Yeah. So I have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's like a, that's that's a that's a, a human thing that you go okay, I have to I, I have to I, I have to keep my surroundings conscious. Yeah. Whereas on Instagram, you're throwing shit out there, and you're like, look, nobody will ever find me. Mm. So you say shit that you would never say it's in person, face. ever, ever. I, I like that meme about go oh, obviously the Tyson thing that's happened. There's a meme about Tyson like I saw it. people getting smacked. Didn't in the, you send it to me? Yeah, no, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. But there's also a meme was a while back like. Whatever happened to people getting smacked in the face with talking shit on some about talking shit online than reality like Tyson said that I yeah remember. yeah yeah and it's just like the, half the shit people say yeah they never say anything, anything to your face or if you confront them go oh I'm, I was just kidding oh thanks for responding yeah yeah like yeah, it's yeah. just like it, it's yeah no I've said I've said this before and I've I've actually gotten shit for it but like world, I remember man. in high school back when you were allowed to fight without major repercussions yeah some of my best friends came out of fighting. Like, I remember we used to, at Santa Barbara High School, we would run down to the arcade back when arcades first kind of started happening. Yeah. And we'd have our stack of quarters or whatever, and we'd run down there, and we'd put our quarters up on the thing, and then that whatever person would go first, and then you were after them. And I was standing too close to somebody's video game, and the dude <laughs> fucking turned around, and he knocked me out. He oh, literally just punched the shit out of me, and I woke up, and I was holding onto his ankle, and I couldn't figure out why I was holding onto somebody's <laughs> ankle. But that dude and I became close friends later his wow. name was kim and and we became close friends. that's and amazing so you know those fights that would happen and all that adrenaline all that stuff but then you're hurt and you're you know what i'm saying yeah 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 i don't really know what i'm saying but it, i know what it, you're saying there was though. something about that base communication yeah that allowed for friendship to be cultivated and i miss that because i think a lot of the violence now comes out of the fact that we're not able to do anything and that we're so scared and that Mm. we live in such contraction so then when it does manifest it manifests in this extreme way or rage or something like that how do you get away from rage it's like somebody talking you know it's like if you and i continue to talk this is what we get used to if we don't talk Things will come out in fits and starts, and you know, because you're just not used to it. I mean, especially now coming out of the pandemic and stuff, people being on lockdown, only on their phones the whole time, not interacting with other humans. Are you pretty like, disciplined around your phone? Will you put your phone down? I mean, that's why I love the podcast because I put it away for like two hours yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I try to at night. Like we'll do like no phone movie night. Yeah, good. Especially Max, put your phone in your room. You know, yeah, you know what totally. I mean? Like, yeah, you have to try to do that. And now I've been shutting it off on the flights because because you now you have Wi-Fi, you can do it the whole time and I shut it off, act yeah. like it used to be, and just. Yeah, so I think about that with our young kids, you know, yeah. like they see you on your phone, they pick up the phone, they want to take a picture with your phone and just that whole relationship with the phone. A lot of kids on iPads, I yeah, see. Yeah, man. Or, you know, you know, all you got to do is put a kid in a car and like let them watch five movies on and a drive. And that's the thing that people do. It's totally, like babysitting man. them. And you have screens on the back of your seat and all that. We don't do any of that. You know what's scary is that now, like when we were younger, you get, you get bullied at school and then you'd go home and escape that, maybe hide in your room, not tell your parents. But now... The kids get bullied twenty four seven. Like you can't escape it. 
I know. And I had this thing Scary. where something happened with my son, and I had I wanted to call the school, and he said, don't do it. You call the school, then I'm a snitch, and I'm going to get beat up. So we can't do anything about it. We wanted to go to the school and deal with something. We can't do that. Yeah. Why? Why can't you go to well, school? Well, because well, we wanted to, but my son begged me not to, because then if you tell on me, yeah, they're going to find out. And then they're going to fuck me up, actually fuck me up. So it's this hard thing of protecting your kid from that and the online stuff. And like we yeah. warned my son many, many years ago about that, like different sketchy people or catfish, just random DMs he'd get and he'd show us, to, you know, and stuff like that. You forget, you forget that. I mean, that's why <laughs> when you do these deep dives on like Netflix or mm. whatever, these documentaries on bad people. Yeah. You forget that they exist. The you Tinder forget- Swindler? No, like that. I haven't that's seen that a crazy one. one. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, it just came out. I'm telling you, look at this stuff and you go, how, like shady. Yeah. And I don't have that. I don't have that shady thing. I don't have that part of me that wants to like smile at somebody and then go do something really fucking awful. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, and I forget that that exists and it, and my wife is more kind of attuned to that than I am. And she's like, you know, set the alarm. And I'm like, nobody's coming. She goes, (laughs) but they could. And she's right. Um, Yeah. My wife, she's, uh. Is she? She's no, more... she's not worried. No, she's just ready for anything, man. Yeah, yeah, she is. Moon is ready. for Yeah, her. she's just. She's. I know. I, I'm not. I'm not tripping on anything. Like I, I got my wife. She's. I'm safe, dude. Your wife is. Is. <laughs> it's kind of like my wife. They're like the dudes. They are. They're from Venus. I know from Mars. <laughs> from Mars. <laughs> um. What, what was your last? What was your last real job? My last real job. Not that acting's not. No, real. no, no, no. I know what you mean. You know what I'm saying. I know what you mean. Um. God. Well, you could say that when I got away from acting and I started trading, that was a real oh, yeah, job. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a self propelled job, but it was a real job. But the the last real job I had, let's see, I worked at Rocky Galeni's as a cook. Sick. And then I worked at RG's Giant Hamburgers as a cook. <laughs> But I ended up fucking up that job. You aspired to be a chef at one point. I did, man. I wanted to be a chef because of that experience. Yeah. I, I loved that experience. And it was an open kitchen and it was loud. <laughs> and it was, we had, you know, people singing arias in the thing. We had a caricaturist that would, that would draw these caricatures of people, you know, on the walls and all that. It was just a cool, I just liked that electric. Yeah, the energy. Energy. Yeah being around so it was it was less to do with this is a skill that i would love to cultivate as opposed to i like being around this kind of society yeah do you still cook yeah when i do that my family loves it yeah but i don't do it often when i do my family hates it i'm a terrible cook are you care but you're a vegan you should know how to make all the the great lettuce sandwich or something but like (laughs) my wife cooks I'm a terrible cook. I've tried like three or four times. Yeah. Literally almost burned this kitchen down. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is they break my ball so hard that, that my confidence is so low. <laughs> Around cooking? Yeah. So I'm trying to learn even more, like learn how to do it more. But like, yeah. I just, is Moon a good cook? She's good enough. She does great. Yeah. She's good enough. I mean, I mean, I love you, baby. You're, you're, you're a great cook, baby. But she yeah. cooks, the, you know, the stuff, you know, pasta, stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, we eat out way too much. And I definitely, you know, I don't know. I, 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 that's one thing in my life I wish I stepped it up. As an adult, maybe it's not too late to learn how to cook. It's like it's this idea that's that's like the urban mentality is the idea of like having to prep for an hour or four hours or six hours. Jesus. You're gonna make a or making you, juice you don't too. have it making a brisket, but you don't eat brisket. 
But even making juice, like the vegetables, all that stuff. And they clean buy the that thing shit. out yeah. and all that kind of stuff. You um, just want to go down to the corner. That's why Highland's going to bring that back. I the know. juice company. Oh, is she really? No, I said she should. Oh, she should. For yeah, you, sure. Yeah, I mean, love that. I was, I know. I, That's I my wife's juice. sister who started a juice company that was really, really good. What's the name of it again? Oh Health God. by Highland? No, it was a name, though, too. It was a cool name. Oh, what was the name? God damn, you, put, you blew it up, too. Um, I know I did. Well, hopefully, she brings that back. Yeah. Um, do you have any uh, any major regrets? Major regrets. Oh, shit. Not doing this podcast. This is, this is always... This is always, Waiting this long to do this podcast? No, this, this has always been a thing. Dude, I'm glad... Dude, I'm glad. This is so awesome here. This is, this is wonderful. This is um, so relaxed and chill in my kitchen now. I have yeah, now it's mellow. Yeah, like chilling. in the beginning, I yeah, remember it, you weird. said, let's go have coffee in, in the morning. And I go, let's not have a conversation before we actually start this. I thought you were joking. I, no, I want to actually like roll out of bed and start a conversation but with we you. have such... Uh, mutual love for each other and respect for each other. It's just cra- it's just crazy how that happens. I like you really run, run into a person. Obviously, I knew who you were, but you didn't know who I was. Just ran the street, and then this friendship happened since 2016. It's just cool. And then you got busy. Yeah. It's just cool that you're here when it's talking about life. You but know? we've always, you know, there's something about you and me that we that there's never a time factor. I feel the same totally. way with Anthony Zerby. It's like you and I will talk and we'll text. And then we won't for a little while. And then, but when we do, it's like the conversation never ended. Exactly. And you could be yeah, friends with cool. somebody, not see him every fucking day or talk to him every day. You I know agree. what I mean? Like, I and agree. I think that's a real, uh, it's a bond. real relationship. It's, it's a real relationship. Yeah. It's a, tr- it's a, it's a loyal and trusted relationship. So back to your regrets. What you yeah. Think? What are my regrets? Um, it's hard for me to regret anything. I mean, yeah. there's, there's things that I've done. I think while I was drinking that I regret, mm. There's putting people in a position of uncertainty that I regret when they didn't know like what the fuck I was going to do and when I was going to do it. Or when I was, when I was getting in a lot of trouble, my family being so uncertain about how I was going to turn out. Like now that I have kids and I look at my kids and I go, God, that, that concern is real. Yeah. Whether you were a great parent or not, doesn't matter. You, when you're talking about your kid and your own flesh and blood, the concern that you have for that child is, feels unbearable when that child is in pain or in confusion or spinning. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And like when you see Max surfing or you send me a picture of Max, Max doing it like an incredible off the lip or drumming <laughs> unbelievably. Yeah. Like I feel your pride. Yeah. The opposite of that is when you see them in peril yeah. and you're like, all I want to do is take their place and take their pain for them. 100%. You know what I mean? 100%. So I think when, when, when I was selfish, that's what I regret. Would I change it? No, because had that not happened, I wouldn't be who I am now. And that sounds like a cop-out, but, but I, I like what's happened now because yeah. I remember like around three or four years into sobriety, I remember when my kids changed and they trusted me totally. That's, a, that's amazing. So man. they went from like, are you for real? This time? Yeah, are you for real? Yeah. To I can rely on that dude. Totally, I can rely on that, that dude. That must feel fucking amazing. That was amazing. And not that, that it was too. extreme, not that they didn't rely on me at all. Yeah. But there was a total, like, I completely, like, you've been consistent enough where I know I can call you at any time, day or night, and you'll be there for me. 100%. There's a difference between financially helping them out when they need it. That's or actually, different. Actually being there mentally, physically, and listening to Yeah, 100%. Financial that's, is bullshit. That's, that's what I'm saying. Financial like that, is bullshit. That's nothing. So when you're there for them and listen and all that, like, yeah. I can't even imagine. That's beautiful, man. No, it's like, it's like parents who are like, look, I gave you... 
I gave you 500 bucks. Yeah. You're like, what does that mean? You yeah. actually think that has some kind of emotional meaning? It has zero meaning. Zero. Zero. When you say selfish, that mean you were, foc were you just focused on your career and that's it? No, no. Selfish in, in when I would drink. Okay. Yeah, yeah. no. It affected everyone around. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So even, even, even if it didn't affect my kids, even if, even, or, or if, if they saw me come in from a night and I went right to bed. Yeah. Even the smell that may have, you know, passed yeah. their room, that creates a distrust. Yeah. To me. Yeah. You know, it sounds fucking horrible, and, 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 and I've talked to my kids about it, and I'm like, where did it affect you, and where didn't it affect you? And, yeah. and they've told me, so I know. They're obviously extremely resilient, but they, when there's anything there where, you're, where you can't be 100% present, yeah. it affects your fucking children, dude. Totally, man. Period. Yeah. You can't be perfect. Yeah, you can't. We're not perfect. We're not perfect, perfect but you, you, can, you can have your priorities straight. And I think sometimes my priorities were a little off. Yeah. And, and they're not now. Yeah, and, how, and how long sober now? How many years? Eight, eight plus, eight That's and a half. That's amazing, man. Something like that. Eight, I'm glad I met you when you were sober, too. Me, too. I thought you were sober, but you just had never... I never tried anything. You just were never into it. No, I saw my brothers getting fucked up a lot. when my After my dad died, my mom was working like two or three jobs, and my brothers would babysit me maybe yeah. smoking weed drinking the house having girls over i'd be hiding in my room i was so scared of it man yeah. so I, so then i'm into punk rock i like the sex pistols i can skate to them but i don't know what anarchy is and bollocks and all that shit <laughs> so then i hear like minor threat and then they have a song called straight edge and they talk about you don't need that to right. fit in i'm like fuck I can that had a massive impact totally at 13 years old i'm like fuck i can wow. skate to this shit it's aggressive and i don't want to do this shit i'm scared and, and i can still be cool and it's just from that day at 13, I was like, I'm never trying anything. Isn't that amazing? Because it comes out of, you know, this idea that people were cool, you know, painters were cool or musicians were cool if they were fucking up their life. You know, if you look Sid at Vicious. Sid Vicious. Yes. And that whole thing. I, I didn't fuck with I, that. I, I, you didn't fuck with that, which I, I have massive respect for. Because when we were kids, like, we held that on he such was, a pedestal. He was your dude. And we didn't know anything else existed. It was either, like, yeah. bourgeoisie or it was Sid Vicious. Like we had two choices. Yeah. And we didn't realize there was minor threat. And we didn't listen <laughs> yeah. to the song. We didn't listen to the lyrics and yeah. whatever that is. And then it was later in life that I started to meet people that are like the influences that you had where I was like, oh wait, you don't have to do this. And life can be even better when you're not doing that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. what I, I understood way, way later than you did. Yeah, because I think you were probably more of like, no, not saying fuck your parents, but like anarchy and destruction and yeah. fuck the government, all this shit. For sure. And I was like, for me, that was punk rock, but then hardcore was this other thing where it's like, okay, we're going to fix shit. We're going to make a difference. We're going to yeah. do animal rights. We're going to do um, human you. rights. You know what I'm saying? Like we, I wanted the positive aspect of hardcore, and that really connected with me because yeah. I was a sensitive soul even back then. Yeah. I loved my mom. I didn't, I didn't want to say fuck my mom because right. she was raising us. Yeah. But then the straight edge thing, yeah, just... And that's just my whole life. And now my son is like the only straight edge out of his whole crew. He's the only straight edge kid that hangs out with his friends. And really? That's so beautiful. I mean, I don't tell him like he's not vegan. He was raised on eating meat. It's his choice. Yeah. He, when he, he wants to drink or try something, it's his choice. But he knows how I lived my life. And it makes me so happy to see the that And that's that the best thing that you can be is power of example. That's our, that's our, that's that's our number all one you job have. as a role model. You know how many people talk about, like, you should behave this way, you should behave that way, you should behave that way, and then they don't? Yeah. So it makes no sense. Yeah. 
makes no sense. Yeah. Like they're gonna Hypocrites. watch how you are. Yeah. Hypocrites. But I but I never I never preached anything to my son. This is how I live. I never said, You're gonna be straight as you have to be like me, you should get tattoos. I never said shit. And what's cool, like, you know, you're a vegan, you've been vegan. If I look at your neck, you've been a vegan. Nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight. <laughs> Stopped eating meat in 1988 because no, of hardcore. Cool. No, I know. Of punk rock. And that's like the most punk rock thing ever because a guy to be vegan in 1988 is Yo, pretty fucking punk dry rock. Dry ass falafels, fucking <laughs> beans and rice. Dude, there was no fake, there was a tofu dog came out. No, it's brutal. Cool. But, and not that it's a positive, but the fact that Moon is not. You guys are together. Yeah. You have one of the best relationships I've ever seen. Thank you. And then Max gets to look at you guys and he goes, oh, I have a choice. She's doing this in the way that she's doing it. Yeah. He's doing that in the way that he's doing it. And yet they get along. That's that differentiation that I was talking about before. P yeah. Not everybody's the same. Opposites attract. I feel like that's that my it. wife. That's it. We're into totally different types of music and totally. fucking, she's in the bar house and all this crazy shit. This rockabilly shit she brought me to. I was like, Jesus, the damned, <laughs> no disrespect to the listeners, but just certain things that I wasn't into. You yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and yeah. then my son finds death metal and like, I like this band Slayer. I'm like, really? I heard of them before. Like, <laughs> he brings like death metal stuff home that I was. Yeah, but you know how you incorporated in Instagram when I would watch those yeah, videos that yeah, I'm talking it's about. True. That's you'd, be play, you'd be playing death metal and you're sitting there rolling your eyes, but then you're taking the cards of the lyrics on it and all that kind of shit. It was great. You incorporated it into your life and you made it a familial thing. Yeah. That was bitching, man. Thank you. He turns me on to like a lot of that stuff. It's great. Like he turns me on to different things over my mind. Um, what, you care. You give a shit. And I always have I loved how much you give a shit. You Thank know? you. I, and I, yeah. I, I know, I, I know you think, I think I saw you say something, but. Uh, your your forward to my book was beautiful. I know you think it's weird. Or so. I think it was beautiful. I don't think it. Why did I think it? was I think weird? you wrote that somewhere. I saw somewhere like you. Maybe I was embarrassed because I just like opened up to. It was beautiful, man. It made me cry reading it. Like, reading it in front. I, I was in the car with my two boys. I started reading this shit. I was welling up. It was just so beautiful, nice because I've never just just the way you you see me as your friend and how you see me as a person. It was really nice. And I appreciate that. I'm glad you liked it. It was just a kid's book, so it was like fuck. It was fucking. Really it was psyched. real, and that's and that's the thing that I think the, is the focus more and more and more is I have less interest in 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 dealing with bullshit and things that I don't find heart driven and real and base. Yeah, I feel like as you get older too, it's not the quality uh, quantity of friends; it's the quality. You don't yeah. need a lot, you don't need a lot of them. You know what I mean? Just real ones you can count. You know what I mean? Like it's just, and also when you're in your fifties and you're having kids, that brings up a whole other thing too. You're like, I don't have fucking time. Yeah. I don't have time. I just dealt with this kid throwing up and I just dealt with this kid who just shit on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty you crazy you're kid kids in your 50s. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, but it's great, man. Do you want any more? You know, we've talked about it. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll, I, you never know what's going to happen. But right now we're, we're, we're tapped. We're tapped. <laughs> Our, because both our kids, like all four of the kids have major personalities. Okay. So it's like having nine or 10 or 11 kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and that's all good. I mean, yeah. if they were like super quiet and just kind of like, didn't, you didn't really even know that they were there, that would be one thing, but they're not. Yeah. My kids are not quiet in any sense of the word. None of them. So yeah, I, th I think, I think you have a good amount of kids. I think you're. I don't know. We'll see, man. Like yeah. four kids. I'm very happy with four kids right now, but I'm I'm not gonna. I yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future. I don't know. What's and gonna it, happen. it's so nice to have you back in California. I know you're born and raised there, but you were traveling all around, staying in different places. I was like, is this guy really gonna leave here? I'm like, 
But I'm glad you, I know I you try, love it so much. I try, you know, it, out of respect for my wife and the kids being close to their cousins yeah. and her being close to her family, we made an emotional move. Yeah. To Atlanta and which is dope. I like Atlanta, dude. It, it's it's a great place to work. I like visiting there. It's awesome, but it's not. I, I I'm etched in California. Yeah, I'm etched in California. It's in my DNA. It goes five, six generations back. Yeah, and my wife loves California. I love being close to the sea. Ooh. You know, riding my motorcycle. I don't get to do a lot of stuff that's just for me, but I get together with a few dudes and we and ride our that. choppers up the up the coast and just being. You know, I'm I'm like this is a joke. Yeah, this is a joke. <laughs> you know, people outside of California perceive California as being Southern California. Yeah, or be, perceive it as being L.A. And you go, you got 1,200 miles of coastline. You got Paso Robles, Templeton, where I'm from. You go f- further than that. You, I mean, you just, you have desert, you have ocean, yeah. you have mountains, you have, you have everything. Snowboarding, surfing, everything, everything, dude. Yeah. Everything. And I think you definitely inspired Max because you said you used to always go surfing before school when you were younger. Uh, the, oh, always. Yeah. No, when I was in Santa Barbara, when, when that, that time with Jason Sears. We would literally wake up at five o'clock in the morning, get on our bikes, holding so, onto our shirt. We'd, we'd coast all the way down because we lived up on a hill. We'd coast all the way down to the beach. Didn't matter if there were waves or not. We'd always paddle out and then end up at school at whenever it started, nine o'clock. That's so amazing. That's right. what Max started doing too, like yeah, super early cool. or doing like doubles per day, yeah. right? What happened? Yesterday. Surfing. Yeah. You have, you have anything you want to say to Josh? <clears throat> Keep going? <Yeah>. Afterwards. <laughs> afterwards i'll wait i'll wait do you have any like um like inspirations like musical inspirations or you have anything that that you listen to or it could be a writer like a main inspiration for your life was that always change it changes but there's always there's like the the requisite you know writers that you read when you start to think that you want to be a writer you want to write in a certain way yeah um you know Kerouac and I and I mentioned it recently on Colbert how how I took a class with Allen Ginsberg and like all those people were on such a pedestal Gregory Corso and then I'd read Dostoevsky and Tolstoy and Turgenev and Pushkin and all these like just books man I just fucking tried to inhale as much as I possibly could but now like E.E. Cummings was always a big thing because my buddy Anthony Zerby had a 45 minute night of E.E. Cummings speaking E.E. Cummings which totally blew my mind wow um so different prose writers different poets different you know i get turned on to different writers now i still read a lot of cummings i still read a lot of dylan thomas early dylan thomas i still i i I read a lot of sam shepherd i go back to that yeah but you know studying like even with outer range you know i was really into the theater of cruelty when i was younger and reading about antonin artaud and i don't know man it's just little things that remind me and they get my goat and they just get me thinking again on a creative plane you know yeah but i read a lot right now i still i still do it's the one it's like i can go take a motorcycle ride or i can go read the rest of my book and i usually will read the rest of my book but a lot of writers and then music i'm all over the place man yeah i mean I'll, I'll i'll i have this time that i remember there's a fireman friend of mine that lives in tucson arizona and there was a time that he and i would walk in and talk about a tough guy like he was the marlboro man okay. he is the marlboro right. man <laughs> but we would listen to Pavarotti arias wow and just fucking sit in the car and cry together wow i mean it was super just a emo. thing I love super the- emo <laughs> 
Jose Carreras and Pavarotti. And then wow. now I'll listen to, you know, uh, violin. Like I'm going through a violin thing right now. And I'll listen to like uh, uh, Four Seasons, you know, a violin concerto of Four Seasons. Or, wow. Or I'll listen to Minor Threat or I'll listen Sick. to, you know, Black Flag. The other day I turned on with my daughter and she was like, T you know, <laughs> let it go. I want to listen to Let It Go. Turn on Let It Go. <laughs> I'm like, this is Black Flag, though. So I'm all over the what place, about man. No. Wow. No. You never got into hip-hop. I never got into hip-hop. And I remember, I remember there was a point in punk where people started listening to, like, Beastie Boys and stuff like that. Public Enemy. And that, and Public Enemy. NWA, yeah. And Public Enemy I got into later. I got into when my, when my kids were, like, when we lived in Prescott, Arizona, so my kids were, like, five and nine, five and ten. And I got into that, but I never fully got into hip hop. Huh. And I'll, 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 I'll start to, I'll like force myself. You know how, like on uh, Apple Music or something, yeah. you can hit a genre. Like I'll do it just because I go, I need this education. Yeah. But I've never gotten fully into it. I mean, the American Gangster soundtrack by Jay Z is fucking is fucking incredible, amazing, dude. It's amazing. That is incredible. And I wish I knew more about it. And I wish I. I but it I wasn't had. your thing. It just wasn't my thing. I don't know why. And now I've reached this point. It's funny that you're asking this because I just had this moment in the last couple of days. It was like, I don't know what to listen to right now. Like I'm listening to the same shit. Over and over again. Yeah, yeah. or I'm turning on Black Sabbath or I'm turning classic. on... Classic. Amazing. Yeah. But I'm turning on the same because I don't know what to listen to. So I have a feeling I'm hitting a point where something new is going to come in and I don't know what that thing is. Yeah, my son listens to classical in the car when he drives and Fuck, it's so yeah. relaxing for him. It's awesome. I get in the car, I'm like, what? And like he's, he knows a different who they are. And Yeah, it's weird because my dad would play classical when I was a kid and it would just enrage me. Really? And I would play punk and it would enrage him. <laughs> and we were, we, were, we were next to each other. The, our, our rooms were next to each other. And he would come in and be like, turn that shit off. He um, hated that shit, right? Yeah, yeah, but now I love classical. And I don't know if it came out of that or, mm. or what. I've always loved classical. But yeah. Um, did you ever Classical get... to me is some of the best punk there is. Huh. Like if you think of Beethoven, he was a fucking badass. Yeah, he was actually. Badass. Yeah. Did you, did you get to see Black Flag or any of those bands back then? Or were... I did. I got to see Black Flag. I got to see Dead Kennedys. I got wow. to see Circle Jerks. I got Ooh. to see TSOL. I got to see... Nice. Uh, well, it's a bunch of people. When I go down to Godzilla's from Santa Barbara, I'd get to see a bunch of bands down there. Never went to CBGB's. Wow. Ever. Dang. Yeah. Missed it. Missed it. Yeah, Cir Circle miss. Jerks in seven seconds are on tour, and I'm going to see him to play the. I know, month. man, because when, when we were up at the ranch, San Luis Obispo is the main town. They played the show, right? And they played their show up in San Luis Obispo, and I remember I drove by and I looked up on the marquee Dude. at the Fairmont Theater, and it said Circle Jerks, and I was like, no way. Yeah. I'm going to see him play them a couple weeks. Out you here. are? Gonna, yeah, I mean, it's oh, going to be beautiful. Cool. That's great. Um, and then what about tattoos for you? You only have a couple. You know, I had, I had a lot of tattoos. Okay. And I had them all taken off. I had them all taken Lasering off. Lasering socks. 20. Brutal. It's brutal. And I don't know if it's as brutal now as it was then, but man, it hurt. Might have been worse back then, yeah. And it would bleed and it would boil. Bubble and up it would, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it would bubble up and, and, and all that. And my kids would like, I'd rub up against my kids and there'd be like pus on their shirt. And they'd be like, Jesus. no. But, <laughs> but I remember somebody said like, why did you get your tattoos taken off? And I said, because I didn't feel like I needed them anymore because they were more like on you. You're kind of like a, you're like an art canvas. Yeah, I'm a definitely a coloring book. You know yeah. what I mean? But with me, it was more like intimidating 
and all that. They weren't. They were like old school tattoos, and they weren't. They weren't they very artistic. No, they were just like <laughs> panther and like a panther head and a Harley Davidson on my back, and then wow. And then I had like Jesus with his hand bleeding, and I had I had a bunch of shit. Black and gray mostly, right? Yeah, all. All and then a couple of green eyes, like the like. Dude. Who did them? Do you remember? Freddie Negretti Woo! was one legend. Yeah, he did the last tattoo that I got, probably the biggest tattoo that I got. Who else did it? Freddie Negretti was one, and then just people like Sunset, Sunset Tattoo, and yeah. shit like that. It's when we so were it wasn't for acting, you took them off. No, it wasn't for acting. And then I got one recently by Doctor Wu. Yeah, I saw that. That was a drawing of my sons. Yeah, and it was a drawing that I've always loved of my boys, and I kept thinking like maybe three, four years, like, God, I really want to get this tattoo, but I don't want to get a tattoo. And then I was thinking about where I wanted to put it, like something that you deal with literally oh, every dude, day. Dude. And I was like, should I put it on my forearm and should I have it just be out there? And then we put it on the inside of my yeah. bicep. How'd it feel? I, fine. Yeah. They don't go as deep as they used to. Mm. Like now they go, because they realize if they go deep, it will spread sooner. Yeah, it That's out. what he told me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, it's more cosmetic now. It's more on the surface. And it's better inks. It's better inks. Base, and, it's all kinds of stuff. And the fine art that's done now. And like, I've always been into the fine art of tattooing. Always. Yeah. It's always been interesting to me. But I, I don't know. I, did, I didn't want it. But I, I have one now, man. Would and you, I don't know if I'm going to get more. I mean, to me, when I picture myself in the future... So I'm 54 now. Yeah, well, how much? Yeah, if, I, if I'm 64, I could see myself totally sleeved. Yeah. I, is it going to happen? I don't know. There's a lot of actors. It doesn't matter to me. There's a lot of actors. Like I saw like Johnny Depp got his hands. Nicolas Cage's whole back is done. These dudes are like totally but covered. But I could also see myself getting covered and then getting all those taken off. Because I'm a masochist. <laughs> Would you... Um, okay, here's a serious question. Hmm. Would you tattoo me? You asked me that. That's what. No, that's why I asked. Yeah. What, but why? I'm not an artist. It doesn't matter. I've had a lot of my friends tattoo me. Steve Cavalier tattoo me. Christian Asoy never tattooed anybody. Check this out. So if I set up my boy Asoy, see that it's incredible. What is it? It says Asoy in the writing. Stop. <laughs> I just write Brawl. I, I would on make your it. Back. So, I would make it so easy for you. Have the gun set up. My dude would be there. Dan Smith. Shout out to Dan Smith. Yeah. And you should walk. You just maybe like a Never Say Die on me or something. Yeah. Be hard as fuck. You do it. I could do it. Yeah. It'd be, fir- it. it'd be first and only tattoo. Yeah. One of my friends had Sade tattoo him. The only tattoo she's ever done. He tattooed her bass player in exchange. He wanted her and she tatted him up her name. It's amazing, dude. Okay. You like Sade? If you want, yeah. She's amazing. She's amazing. Do you listen to new stuff? You like this? Like Wait, a Sade, who, who did she do? She did a song with somebody that was really famous. She did a lot of songs. I know, but I'm just thinking of one in particular. Uh, you, th- you, know, you think you think right of Sinead O'Connor instead? Nope. Do you like, do you like um, Adele? I love Adele. You know, the first time I did SNL was with Adele. I did not know that. Yeah, and nobody knew who Adele was. One of her first albums or something. It was, one, it was her first album. Wow. And I remember I was, I was asking Lauren, can we have Eddie Vedder? Because I was close with Eddie at the time and, I, and, and Chris Cornell. And I was like, can we have Eddie Vedder or Chris Cornell? Which just made more sense to me if I was yeah. going to do SNL. It's my guys. And you can pick he them? was like, no, no. That's what he told me. He was like, no, we don't, we don't let guests pick their musical our mm. musical guest that's changed and now, he says, it's going to be adele and i was like who is that and then and then and then i remember wow. rehearsing and hearing her sing and following her voice until i saw her on stage when she was rehearsing and fucking blown away at her voice 
she still blows me away. She's incredible. So I'll man. play her sometimes for the kids, and the kids will like, I want to listen to Let It Go. I want to listen to Let It Go. And then I'll turn on Adele, and then they all calm. Yeah. There's just something about her voice that resonates in a massive, very emotional way. Her, her voice is totally soothing. Yeah. Is there any characters you played that come close to actually who you are in real life? Everyone. Everyone. There's probably part of you and everyone, right? Yeah, everyone. Yeah. But I, 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 more than any, no, no. I don't know, man. I, I just, out of range. Okay. No. <laughs> Maybe. It, but it, I don't know. I don't think of it in those terms. Okay, okay. Like, what's me? I mean, I'm a weird dude. Yeah. I like, I like, I like to constantly mix things up. I like to constantly challenge my mind in a lot of different ways. So when you say like, what's your favorite music or what do you like? It's like, I, I mix it up constantly. Yeah. What kind of movies are you watching? I mix it up constantly. I'm constantly mixing stuff up because I have that thing that you and I talked about before which is like, man, I want to fit as much in before I'm gone as I can. Yeah. And I'm not frenetic about it. I want to take in each thing completely, and then I want to move on to the next. I love contrasting things. Yeah. I used to love being in the desert and playing, like, you know, uh, 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 opera. Yeah. I, I love contrasting things. I love finding that thing that makes me cry. Yeah. I want to find I that. I love that. Yeah. And so... If you had to stop acting today, would you be, do you feel like you, you had you have more, not more to do or more to prove or more to accomplish? Are you happy where you are at this moment with everything you've done? I'm very happy with where I'm at at this moment, but yeah. I'm not one of those people that said if I, it's, I can't do anything else, that's why I'm acting. I feel like I could cultivate or, you know, another skill and do whatever I chose to, to do. do, whatever that is. But if I didn't have acting in my life, would it, would there be a big hole? No. Yeah. I just don't, I, I've never felt that. I've never felt that. I remember when I stopped doing TV 20 years ago and, and I, and I just didn't like the vibe. It was, there was, it was so frenetic and it yeah. was so like, just get it done, get it done, get it done. There was no thoughtfulness in it, at least what I was doing. And, and I remember I said to myself, I would rather not act than do this. And, and that created a kind of hole that was yeah. filled by something else later. But, but after I made that decision, I was, I, I, I never looked back. It's, I've ne so you say like, what do you regret? The only thing I ever regretted other than selfish behavior was when I sold our ranch and I bought the same ranch back five years later. You bought the same one back. Wow. So that was the only real regret I ever had. I sold okay. that ranch and I always longed for that ranch. And then I ended up buying it back once I made some money five years later. Buy it back. Yeah, man. It does. And it's always there and it will always be there and we'll never get rid of it again. I mean, maybe my kids will, but I won't. Wow. Yeah. Fuck, Josh. I think I covered all my notes. Look at my notes on the wall right here. There's so many fucking notes. Oh, look at that. <laughs> So Goonies, 1985, you played Brand. What was that like? No, I ain't asking that silly shit. Um, no, no, you oh, got yeah, a lot I of cool more. shit. What has this pandemic taught you? Anything about yourself? Like the lockdown, the world stopping, everything frozen? A ton, man, because it re... It re I mean, look, I know a lot of people suffered yes. through this pandemic. A lot yeah. of people died. And, and all the unfortunates that people experienced during this pandemic. But I think in lockdown, we were at least in my experience, we were confronted with ourselves. Totally. And pe some people went totally insane. Yes. And some people, uh, for me, it was amazing because it just kind of without, 
there was an inevitability of reprioritizing for me yeah and what means something to me and what doesn't you know yeah. and and that just got way more specific you know so yeah. like even now like i don't see friends as much as i normally did because <laughs> i enjoy my kids thoroughly yeah. And I think through the pandemic and them being born through the pandemic, I think that became even more so my relationship yeah. with my older kids, even, you know, and traveling and going to see them and yeah. staying in contact with them. So there's things <laughs> like that of reprioritizing um, the things that are meaningful to me and not um, and being OK with just not dealing with bullshit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it just it made me like just focus on. And also not stressing about things I had no control of, like focus on the now, live in the now, yeah. get more creative, focus on being home with my family because that was the, f this is the longest I've been home in 26 years because yeah. I've been touring every year for that long. Yeah. And even my wife, shout out to my wife and, and uh, your wife as well because most of our stuff we do, we're leaving and we're coming back and my yeah. wife tells me that's probably why I was still married because I would leave and come back yeah, and yeah, you get yeah, to miss yeah. each other and we didn't have that. And now she can't wait to get me out of the house. But like, <laughs> shout out to the wives who held, held it down who weren't used to their husbands being there, you know? Seriously, man, when you're around somebody that often, all the time, I mean, it can drive you crazy. All totally, the little dude. idiosyncrasies and small things, small man. things, and you st you know, and you can't get away from it. There's nowhere to go. You can't go outside without putting a mask on or going into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't. You feel it's the only place you can be naked, and yet that kind of <laughs> nakedness is driving you crazy sometimes. But I there's know. kind of it's like we were just talking about it the other day. You know, marriage is like some people are married seven times. I've been married three times. You know that thing of like, I think. The pandemic also taught me how to ebb and flow with whatever's happening, you know, yeah. and I know I'm not getting married again for sure. Yeah. And, and I go, look, man, it's okay if you go through these moments, especially having kids when you're used to dealing with each other on a very personal level and now everything's filtered through the children. And sometimes you just go, fuck, man, I just want to have a conversation. Yeah. I just want to have a normal conversation. Yeah. But you know it's not going to always be like this. They're going to get older. They're going to be going to school. They're going to have their own voices and all this kind of stuff. And all that stuff will come back in the way that it comes back. In, it's going to be different, but it's going to come back. Yeah. So it's okay to like process and feel certain things and be somewhat reactive and yeah. go through the long haul with somebody. The idea of that is very, very attractive to me right now. I love that. Um, Outer Range is out every Friday on Prime Video and it's incredible and there will be, there will be a second season. Um, Can't we'll say see. right now. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, the reaction's been amazing. The promotion, everything about it. It's, it's hit a nerve in people and it's been really nice because it allows people, it's like very... Um, interactive people have been asking a lot of questions they want to know they want answers to a lot of questions and i don't think you could hope for more with a show and then are, are there any movies that you've done that you don't like not no like like you wish because i made a record i don't like i'm not embarrassed about it it's out there people love it but back then we were sellouts. They hated it. It was too poppy. It was too overproduced. Yeah. And I have to live with that part of my life. It's part of my life. Yeah, there's movies I've done that I don't like. There's movies yeah. that I've done that I had higher hopes for. Yeah. There's movies that I've done that I wish would have turned out better or the directors would have been better or yeah. the studios didn't get a hold of it and make it actually worse than it already was. Yeah. But that's that i mean that's the pro that's the that's the dice that you roll you never yeah. know you don't know who's involved i mean like right now without a range and not that i keep trying to bring it back to out of range but with amazon amazon is much more used to a kind of a linear storytelling 
and a safer storytelling if Mm. you look at the series that they've done this was a huge swing for them okay and they got behind it a thousand percent and we had it was a very very tough process to get where we are and and then they put a bunch into marketing so i i have massive respect for them because they didn't disappear when things got tough yeah they actually leaned into it and and who you know nobody could have perceived how it was going to be um uh, taken the series yeah and the fact that it's hit like it has is uh, has a, as much to do with them as it does with us because they they stood behind it i've seen a lot of studios give up on stories and then the story is never seen in the movies never seen even though it might be a good movie yeah because the studio didn't believe in it anymore no country was one of those by the way oh really yeah man they were focused on there will be blood oh, and uh, yeah there will be blood and uh Great sean's too. movie um into the wild and this was kind of like pushed to the side. And then somebody else came in and said, can we take over domestic distribution for this and then put it on their forefront? And it ended up winning Best Picture. Wow, dude. So you That's don't a, know. You so never know. as much as the movie matters, you also have to have somebody who's who's cheerleading it in a major way. And believes in it, is behind it, and keeps yeah, exactly. pushing it. Exactly. That's incredible. Yeah, um, yeah I, I love Outer Range. I'm super psyched to see what happens next. Cool. And uh, how many episodes are they in this in the first season? We have new episodes five and six coming up April 29th, and then the last seven and eight is coming up a week after that on Friday. Dude, yeah. I mean, I wish I could binge, but I'm kind of happy I can't. That gives me something to look forward to. I know, you know exactly. It's fun to look forward to something. And will there will there be a Deadpool three? I don't know. Okay. There'll be more Avengers probably. We don't know about that either. Don't know. <laughs> um, I think we covered everything, man. I really appreciate you being there. This is fucking awesome. I love you, brother. I, I was nervous about it, but I knew once we sat down, it'd be wonderful. I, yeah. Yeah, I just I appreciate you. I'm happy we met, and you're part of my life, and everything you've done in your life is inspiring to me still. You know, everything you do and your hustle and Ditto. your family and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I feel the same about you. So yeah, man, I think that's it, guys. Let me see what else. I'm looking at the list right here. We can do it again if we want. Yeah, we do. Yeah, a couple of years. We'll come back to this exactly. part two. Um, all right, bro. Well, yeah. Thank you for being here, Josh. Thanks for uh, having people me, can brother. find everyone the Grizam, all that shit, and um, that's, that's it. We're gonna sign off. That's it. That's Max, you have, it Max you have nothing, Max. Max, you back. Max. 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 Is Max in the house? <laughs> I don't even know. Did he I leave think the he house? Just left. Yo, Max. The fact that we were avoiding him. Come here, Max. Nah. Have a question for you. <laughs> he loves you. I love that dude. Oh no, uh, Flag Day. I didn't mention Flag Day. I love that movie too, dude. Yeah, it's a great movie. Sean Penn's daughter was in that. That was sick. Yeah, it was great. It was a really a good. Job with come, that. come here, Max. He's not coming, dude. He doesn't want to be in the podcast. No. When we turn this off, he'll show up. Max, get off the phone. Come here. Get in here, bro. Oh shit! The fuck. Jesus. Max, you have any questions for Josh? Because. Right now? Yeah. No, no, no. All my sure? are for friends. Like friendship. It's not like... Friendship. This is not friendship. Wow. What we're doing. This is friendship too. We're just talking about life. He just ripped the shit out of your notes. Yeah, we're just talking about life. But you have nothing you want to ask him here? Bye. Take care. Are you out? Bye. Have a good one. Nothing, Max. You good? I'll see you afterwards. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. I just... I'm just going to... I'm going to walk my dude. Thank you, Stella. It's not farting on Josh. Twice. Bye. Hello. Good morning. Where... Where is Josh? <laughs> I'm looking for Mr. Josh. Yeah, this is. What's up? <laughs> Good morning. Um, Good morning, dude. Yeah. I'm not gonna do any spoilers, but episode five and six um, of Outer Range. Yo, just I'm, I'm, just, I'm only gonna say two things. 
Autumn is fucking suspect, and Cowboy <laughs> Mosh Pit was lit. Oh my god! How great was that, dude? How I, great was that? Oh, I forgot about that, man. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like it? Uh, uh, everything. Yeah, every, 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 there, every, I'm gonna send you something right now, Wait, dude. Everything's so randomly insane on this fucking show. I know, because it, it's it's randomly insane anyway, everywhere. Yeah. I, I, so uh, look, this I, is, wait, let me see. oh, fuck, it's not doing it. So there's a, I'm wearing a shirt right now. Yeah. That, you know, I told you we had a lot of problems on the show. Yeah. Oh, God, I almost got it. Wait, let me just get it. Wait. It's all good. We had a lot of problems on the show, and, and, uh. Okay, I'm just going to send you this, and I'm going to tell you what it is. So I made a sh- I would make a shirt every two episodes at the end of every two episodes. Yeah. And it was usually like a fucking dig at somebody. Mm. Right? So, but it was always funny. I'm looking so at it now. The, the shirt that you're <laughs> seeing right now, on the top, it says, I got a hole for you. And then there's some sort of symbol on the ball sack. The ball sack is the symbol of the two families, the Abbots oh, yeah, and that's the right. Tillersons. <laughs> and look at the butthole. It's like <laughs> gnarly. I got a hole for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to send you one of these and, shirts. And that's, and that, yeah, that'd be so sick. Um, so, real quick, I know you're busy. I appreciate you talking to me early in the morning. Um, we covered a lot of things. I love it. It was a beautiful conversation. I appreciate it. We definitely forgot to mention how handsome we were, but um, that's just a given. Um, but one of, one of my key things, my my last two things, are, I forgot to ask you because my son came and cock-blocked the whole fucking podcast, um, <laughs> is uh, a, a, any kind of daily rituals that you have. I, I, know that, I know that you work out. I know that you drink coffee. I know that you wake up early. I know you take ice baths and like these kind of steel horse kind of like troughs, whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, is there, is there like a certain regiment you have in it in your daily life? No, it changes constantly. And that's the problem. Mm. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> but that's the way I like it. I mean, that's, yeah. I, 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 I always wish that, I mean, my wife tells me all the time that, you know, it's, she's like, the kids need more of a, a system, you know, that, that's why, and that's, they'll be, they'll sleep better or they'll this better. But I, and I agree, but I've always known us to be kind of really nomadic and not yeah. and not 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 unfocused it's always yeah. focused but it goes in kind of fits and spurts so like laird hamilton was a close friend and and you know we were working out in his pool and we were doing those workouts before wesleyan was born and it was basically every day yeah for like two and a half years damn and it was great it was an amazing experience and you're underwater and you're doing, you know, three to three to four minute breath holds while you're working out underwater. And then you're going in and you're doing, you know, 200 degree saunas for an hour to half hour to an hour. And then you're going into an ice bath and then you're going into a different sauna that we put an assault bike in. So you're actually doing an assault bike wow. in the sauna and like burning the inside of your thighs. Jesus. And then, and then I started wearing, you know what I mean? So yeah. you, you just, it, but all kind of in the same vein as being like crazy, creative, experimental. Yeah. It's like, now what can you do with your body? How can you test your body in this way? Sure. How can you build your body in this way? So right now I'm in my writer's hut and I'm looking up my, 
door window and I'm looking at the sauna that we just got. So we just got an updated sauna. Nice. We have two horse troughs and we have an industrial ice machine next to it. And, and I'll start that up probably when I come back from up North Yeah. and I'll start doing the saunas again. I'll start doing the workouts again. I'll start slow just because I'm pretty out of shape after the last movie mm-hmm. and then I'll start ramping it up. But I don't know what, like, t- I think I'll probably box a lot more this time. I've been really getting back into boxing. Yeah, that's and awesome. Frank, Frank Grillo, who Ooh, you know. Shout out to Frank Grillo and Fortune, yeah, Fortune I, Boxing. Yeah, yeah. Fortune Boxing. And I reached out to him lately because, or recently because I always feel like I've never done this before. <laughs> it's like All I brand always new. go... I, yeah, I always like wipe the slate clean, even though I have people calling me all the time saying, hey, what do I do about this? Or how do yeah. I look this way? Or what diet do I do that's best? But I always do the same thing. I would call Laird or I'll call Frank and I'll go, like, what are you doing right now? I don't know if you've seen Frank on Instagram, but dude, the dude is shredded. Fucking ripped, dude. Shredded. Like, I know, man. And he's, he's not, I mean, he's my age. He's 50. I'm 54. He's 50. He looks fucking amazing. I know. He goes so you know? hard. Like, I see him training. He goes so hard. On tour, like at the, at the hotels. It's anywhere he can get it in, he gets it in. It's super inspiring, man. That's what I love about him, man. He's like, for real, a tough guy. Yeah. But he's one of the sweetest dudes I know. But he's a tough dude. Like, 100%. I, yeah. I I feel like people that are tough don't have to act tough. It's just exactly. they did they, they just handle exactly the business. My point. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's like all the stuff that we were talking about about this manual of what tough looks like. It's like fuck that man, burn that manual. Hundred um, yeah. percent. And then I pretty much got the answer for this one. Are you an optimist or pessimist? Well, you seem like you seem you, for me. You, I feel like you do have the PMA um, because Napoleon Hill, the guy who created the PMA concept. Um, it's whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And I feel like you, you've believed in yourself throughout your whole life. Is that, that, that's, that's the vibe I got from just talking to you. Like you never give up on yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when other people did, yeah, I have moments, Yeah, I have moments of, of, of uncertainty, Yeah, you know, but I mean, I think that's the whole point. I mean, I, I, I it's hard for me to assess whether I'm a pessimist or an optimist, but gauging from how you treat me, <laughs> gauging from how my kids treat me, <laughs> gauging from how my friends react to me, yeah. I, I think I would be a, a major optimist. But yeah. I also know that I can come across pessimistically when I'm like working. Like mm. when we did Outer Range, I was like, what the fuck is the problem? Like, why, why is everybody creating a chaos that doesn't need to exist we're creating more problems than we need to have. And it's because of ego or it's because of yeah. insecurity or it's because of all that shit. So I think I'm an extreme optimist, but sometimes I deal with it in a pessimistic way. I'm yeah. like, we have to lacerate the ego. This, you know, I, I don't like to be in a, in a community that's full of that. I like, I like for it to be communal and open and trusting and loyal yeah. and everybody can rely on each other not in like a cultish way yeah but like in a, in a in a familial way yeah you know? but yeah i, I don't think, want anybody drinking my kool-aid or anything no but, i think you know but also saying? i think that's your passion coming through passion for your work passion for everything you're doing it may, maybe it comes off that way that's because you really care about what you're doing you know what i mean and you're in that moment well i mean one chance one life man you put it better than anybody like literally there's nobody that's put how I perceive or at least how 
the place that I've come to in my life right now better than you have. One chance, one life. That's it. Like, if there's something after this, then great. But we don't know for sure. Yeah. There's nothing that's guaranteed. So if we don't know, you know, we, on the average, it's going to be 70, 80 years, but it could be tomorrow. So true. So the, the best deal is we have this one day that we can put everything into, that we can bring a smile to somebody's face, that we can accept somebody's love instead of saying, oh, that's really hard for me. And I know it's hard for some people. Yeah, we're not perfect, man. It's the effort. Totally. It's the effort. Every and day. you can tell when people put effort in. It's like a lot of people who talk about what they want to do, but they never do it. And I'm like, all you got to do is, well, I don't think I'm ready. Well, you don't know if you're ready if you don't do it. 100%. If you do it, you'll like the universe will tell you you're not ready. Yeah. But you won't know until you actually put your foot forward and find out whether you're ready or not. Exactly. You know, it's not a head thing. It's an action thing. I agree. So I get scared all the time. You know, we talk about directing and I get scared. We talk about going and producing this play that I wrote and I get scared. So there's a lot of stuff that still scares me. But I mean, fuck, man, if you didn't get scared, if you didn't have a feeling, if you didn't have an opposed feeling, how would you know that, that it's worth something? You know, I agree. I, I feel like that just in this moment talking to you on my podcast that you were one of the people who believed in me from the jump to even start when I was so nervous. I didn't really know what, what it entailed. I just started with my mom and I just kept flowing from that. It's been very therapeutic and I'm so happy I started this thing. It's brought me closer to people. I've come to know people better than I thought I actually knew and just having totally. these conversations, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's been and you didn't You we didn't even know each other. <laughs> <laughs> you just put out a vibe. Yeah. That I was like, I responded to. I yeah. was like, that motherfucker's cool as shit. Who is that dude? You know? And oh, then we start to get to know each other. And you and I, are, you know, we have a lot of similarities, but we're also super different. Totally. And and there's never been a moment that I haven't celebrated the fact that we met. Like, yeah, I don't know how the man. fuck we met. How did that happen? It's but such a random I'm so thing stoked. <laughs> it's such a random thing, but it's only enhanced this existence 100%. that I'm having, you know, this, this experience that I'm having during this lifetime, it's 100%. only deepened it for me. Well, I, I, not to be cheesy. And I know you, I mean, you probably already know oh, it's all cheesy, bro, but I, <laughs> but I said this to you the other day because I never really paid attention to the never say die slogan from the movie. And then when I Googled it, I sent it to you and it's, it's used to encourage someone to continue something, or remain hopeful. It's so PMA. It's fucking crazy. I know. I, I know. It's just a movie <laughs> and a saying. It's no, something it's, part of your life. But like, I, I don't, no, I don't cool, know. Though. It's pretty cool. Like, just for me. I no, see, but when you when you asked that when you asked that, I was like picturing just drawing this horrible piece of abstract art. I was just like, I'm gonna fuck. I'm gonna fuck it up. And then you said, What about just saying this thing? You know? And it's not like to other people, it would be it would be a movie slogan. To you and me, it, it has a dip, deeper I, me. It actually means something. I know it's, it's, it's fucking it's so punk and it's fucking crazy. Yeah. So my question is, would I you agree. rather tattoo that on my taint or my throat? I'm not gonna touch your taint, bro. <laughs> I'm not gonna touch your thing. I will I will 
I will tattoo right next to your vegan marks. Yes, that makes so perfect hard, sense dude. to me, dude. I'll go hard I'll next be, to your vegan marks. Be, I'm so fucking hyped. Another, another thing, I can, I'm like, <laughs> I'm so serious. I already told your wife. Um, another thing is also you gave me advice about getting a colonoscopy, and it's like the best thing ever done. Like you told her, like, yo, don't be a pussy. It's fucking easy. They put you under. Yeah, just because it feels good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, I, I you were one of the main you people. Did it, me, right? Like, yeah, bro. It was amazing. I have the cleanest fucking vegan colon ever. I'm so excited and proud of my ass, bro. There were stokes. No no polyps. And, and, yeah. And, yeah, and it's grown-up shit. No pun intended. But I'm really happy I did that. Um, Good. Also, I think you should start a, pro- a podcast. Think you would do, think you, have you know what's do funny, it? man, is I, I... What? Think you have time to do that? I don't know. I mean, you and I were supposed to talk last night, and then I I, I took a nap because I woke up so early in the morning, and then and you never take I woke naps. up... I know. No, I never take naps, but you mentioned it the other day. Yes. And I was dragging yesterday. I was really dragging yesterday. And then I was like, ah, fuck, man, I need to get 15 minutes sleep. And I got an hour of sleep. Wow. And then I ended up going out to this thing where my wife's pictures were. I saw it. looked awesome. Display. Yeah, it was cool. And, and I had a great time because I took that hour. I took that hour for myself just to, you know, to, to take a nap. And you felt, never you felt like re- recharged. Dude, I that? felt amazing. Yes. What that hour did was incredible. And then. Yeah, so this theory's on that. Well, this theory's on that. How important that is. This doctor. Oh no, had Laird a, talks about that all the time. Yeah, and I had yeah, this, I had this guy, Doctor Andrew Huberman, on my podcast, and he broke down broke down all that stuff, power naps, all that stuff, the ice baths. Yeah, would everything. you send that to me? Yeah, well, he he's a big fan. He follows you actually. He's a big fan of you. Um, oh, that's cool. But yeah, man. Well, Josh, the, the conversation is incredible. Like I, I, I was, I was told you yesterday, one of my good friends listens to every single episode. He was super emo crying when we were talking about our children. <laughs> I just love that we yeah, finally man. made it happen. And I, I consider you a close friend. And I love how humble and real you are. And you come from the same place I come from. And like you said, yeah, yeah we're not, not the same exact lies. But we're connected through however we got connected. But then the connection of music and skateboarding and punk rock and just everything. And PMA. And yeah, exactly. And your journey is super inspiring to me. And uh, all the texts and conversations we had and everything, man, it's meant a lot to me. And I'm, I'm stoked that... We met, and, and you're part of my life, even in my 50s, you know what I mean? You too, man. I, I feel, like I said before, when we got off before, and I think I think we should do this again because because we are friends, yeah. and I think that each time we do it, it will become less deeper. about, yeah, it becomes less and less about telling, like, a cosmetic story to make people go, fuck, that's gnarly. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, it's just it just gets more kind of uh, in tune with who we are. Yeah, which I think we found yesterday. A hundred percent. I think and we it, just slipped into this like really familial thing. It's very, it's very therapeutic. Um, yeah. And then finally, I always give people props because I have a lot of hair envy. You have a great hairline. I just want to give you a shout out to your hair. <laughs> your hair is on fucking point, man. It, it's, dude, it's you you have a... such obsession over hair. It's hilarious. <laughs> like I saw you yesterday. You look great. Your hair. You got your head. I'm gonna get these plugs, bro. I'm your hair is coming in. You're like, oh, I gotta go get my hair cut because it's just driving me crazy. Crazy, and I'm like, your hair looks great. It doesn't matter. But your hair is, yo, you, you, I don't know where the hairline came from, but your hair is fucking, you're chilling, yeah, bro. There's sto- no worries. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly stoked because my dad, my grandfather, literally had this head of hair in the day that my grandfather died. Like a full wow. fucking gnarly, amazing, handsome head of hair. Damn. I'm very lucky. Yeah, I'm jealous. I'm not saying that mine is, but his, yeah. his was. Well, thank you. I'm anyway. so psyched for people to hear this. Combo. Safe travels today, dude. Thank you, brother, and I appreciate your time always, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Okay. All right, brother. Bye. Later. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, Please rate, review, 
uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.